Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today I am bringing you another movie review. However, this is not a theatrical release. This is a TV movie that came out in 1996 that I watched because the person who stars in it was my absolute favorite back in 1996-97. Of course, that actor I'm speaking of is Devin Sawa. If you were a teenage girl in the 90s, I mean, this guy was right up there with JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas from Home Improvement. The movie, of course, that I'm speaking of is 1996's Night of the Twisters. This movie premiered on the Family Channel. So... Here is the synopsis courtesy of IMDb. The residents of a small town come face to face with a deadly and unpredictable series of tornadoes. Among them is one boy struggling to keep his family safe in the dangerous weather. Here's another little more detailed synopsis. A Nebraska farm community is plagued by a storm, with a series of tornadoes acting against normal patterns. Dan is left home, left at home to look after his baby brother Ryan, along with his friend Arthur, while Dan's mother is at work. His stepfather goes to check on his grandmother when a tornado destroys the house. Dan and Arthur attempt to reunite the family. This TV movie actually was based on a book by Ivy Ruckman, also titled Night of the Twisters. Now, I've never read the book, but I did watch the movie. I was able to pick up a VHS copy. I think I got it for Christmas one year. And it's kind of funny because whenever it's the holidays, we have a gathering. We would have a gathering at the farm. My, it used to be at my grandparents' house. Anyway, um, I had put this movie in. And of course, this was released right around the same time that the movie Twister with Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt was released. So, of course, my aunt's like, oh, is that Twister? I thought it, like, just came out. And I'm like, no, this is called Night of the Twisters. Like, oh, I've never heard of it. I'm like, well, that's probably because it's on television and not in the theater. Oh, the rating on here is a 5.9 out of 10 based on 2042 ratings. Aside from Devin Sawa, who plays Dan Hatch, we also have... Amos Crawley, who plays his best friend Arthur. We have John Schneider of Dukes of Hazard fame, who plays da- uh, Dan's stepfather Jack. We have Lori Hellier, who plays Dan's mother. We have Laura Bertstrom, who plays Stacy, Arthur's big sister, and Dan's love interest. The movie was directed by Timothy Bond. I'm trying to see if he's done anything else. Looks like some Friday the 13th movie. Let's see what else here. Do we got any trivia is what I'm looking for. Here we go. All right. Although the film is set in Dannenbrog, Nebraska, it was actually filmed in Kleinberg, Ontario, Canada. Which I'm not surprised because... Um, the boy, the actor who plays Arthur, Dan's best friend, and the girl who plays Stacy, Arthur's older sister, were both in the Canadian show called Ready or Not. And I remember watching that, like, on the Disney Channel. Wasn't the Disney Channel show Flash Forward also a Canadian show as well? I'm not sure. 
But they have Ben Foster and Jules. Is it Slate? Yeah. All right. Dan Hitch. I thought it was Dan Hatch. I don't know. Whoever put this in trivia messed up. Says, just because you know the future doesn't mean you can change it. Devin saw a start in Final Destination, which would come out four years later, about a boy who has a premonition about a plane crash, then cheats death. The novel was inspired by the 1980 Grand Island tornado outbreak, which in turn was adapted for the film. The novel, however, is semi-fictionalized. This is clearly uh, someone's uh, opinion. An overpass isn't the idea sh- ideal shelter for a tornado, and neither is a fire truck. Okay, well, probably not. Let's see. The novel is based on the the movie is based on the novel written by Ivy Rickman. Already said the twisters in this film seem to be all gray. They were supposed to be black. Okay, I guess that's also Night of the Twisters aired on October twentieth, two thousand one, on the television channel in Germany. Let's see. Um, it, tornadoes can't seem to lift up heavy vehicles, including fire trucks or school buses. Let's see. During the movie, Devin Sawa talks about how his dad is disappointed that he isn't his little quarterback. In the movie Little Giants, Devin plays a quarterback. This is clearly this is the person coming in and putting their own spin on stuff. Which is new. It's interesting. It's interesting. Alright. If you go on IMDb, look up Night of the Twisters. There is a bunch of different... You got your F0, F1, F2, 3, 4... And 5 F0 is going to have light damage, about 45 to 72 mile per hour winds. F1 is going to be about 73 to 112 miles per hour, moderate damage. F2 is going to run around 113, 157 miles per hour, significant damage. F3, 158 to 206 miles per hour, severe damage. F4, 207 to 260 miles per hour, devastating damage. And of course, the F5, which is brought up in Twister because no one's seen an F5 except for Joe. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Twister, go watch it. The movie came out over 24 years ago, guys. Come on now. Uh, F5, 261 to 308 miles per hour. Incredible damage. And there is an F6. 309 to 379 miles per hour. Although initially Fujita scale have five marks. In 1999, a tornado located in Bridge Creek Moore, Oklahoma, devastated with a force more powerful never seen before. It was the only one F6 registered in history. Okay. Well, the more you know, right? I live in the Midwest area. We don't really, I mean, see too, too many tornadoes. At least where I'm at. We do, of course, what movie about a tornado isn't complete without a reference to the tornado movie, The Wizard of Oz. I save the goofs for after the movie review because uh, this is gonna get. I don't want this to get too too long for you guys. Where you're like, come on, come on, let's get to the movie. Come on, we want to hear about the movie. We don't care about goofs and trivia anymore, right? <laughs> oh, this was released. Oh my goodness, this was released on Valentine's Day in 1996. Now this was just. I did have cable. It's pretty basic cable package around 14. I don't believe it included... No, actually, I swear, when this aired, I don't think we had... My dad had gotten cable yet. Because I would see this on other people's cable channels. This came up. and I want to see that movie because I'm, you know, a big Devin fan. 
And of course, I don't really get to see it on like the VHS. Or I'd like look for details in teen magazines and stuff like that. All right, real quick before I officially dive into this movie, I want to let you know where you can follow along with the podcast. You can go to Facebook at Looking Back on My Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast. You can also go to Instagram at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. Although I'm cur- I've currently been done covering the Wonder Years since 2018. I've been doing other other shows as well. Uh, Full House, Small Wonder. Uh, there's a couple seasons of Mr. Belvedere on there. The first season of Silver Spoons is on there. If you want to hear past season one of Silver Spoons, go to the Punky Power podcast. And I am currently making my way through season four of Silver Spoons. Once a month, I also do Growing Pains as well. So yes, after I'm done with the movie, I will do the goofs. I'll do uh, hopefully a 10 out of 10 review on IMDb. And I'll see if I can get like, if there's a like one of the lowest reviews and see what they say. So, all right, let's jump into this movie. I have not watched it in a while. I'm excited. And I hope you guys are too. All right, so the movie starts. We do get a timestamp. It's 120 miles outside of Blainsworth, Nebraska, which is where the movie is going to take place. It's about quarter after one in the afternoon. And we do see, we learn the guy's name later is Bob. He's a storm chaser, probably even a meteorologist as well. He's tracking a storm. So Bob, of course, he's got his vehicle all outfitted with the proper equipment you would need to be a storm chaser. He's got his CB radio in there so he can radio back to the headquarters. He's got one of those, it's not like a Dorothy type machine like like from Twister. It's got its own little doodad, you know, swirly thingy on metal thing on top. And he brings it out so that way we can kind of see where the storm... We get... In this movie, guys, you're going to get a lot of scenery of the sky, of developing clouds, storms, all that stuff. So if you are big into weather, this is the movie for you. So a lot of weather talk. Uh, A lot of... Well, it's Night of the Twisters. I'm trying to think. Do they even say tornado? It seems like they say we got a twister developing. And it's just so funny. Guys, this is, remember, back in 96, you're not going to have your flat screen monitors. You're going to have the big old clunky ones with the butts on them. So (laughs) he's just, Bob's radioing back, just saying there's a twister about a mile from here. Ominous darkening clouds, all that weather stuff. So luckily, Bob, he's got his binoculars. He's kind of seeing where the twister is kind of the direction it's going. Unfortunately, it's happening right upon an unsuspecting farm where a little girl's just gotten off the school bus. She's got this big old poster board she's made her mother probably for like just to make her something. And of course, it's so windy there. And, of course, the, the little poster board thing gets blown out of her hands and just... Anyway, so, like I said, I mean, these are high-tech binoculars that Bob is working with. It's like, th- this family does not know a twister is going to be bearing down on them at any moment. So, he's like, I gotta hightail it down there. I gotta warn them so that way they at least have a chance to survive. 
And honestly, it's not like it's a sunshiny, clear blue sky day. It is rainy. It is overcast. It's just gross out. So definitely, I, I'm, I'm not a huge weather person. I really don't know different weather patterns and stuff like that. But if this were any type of day for a tornado, a re, an icky, rainy, overcast day is probably going to be perfect weather for a tornado to hit. Oh, the little girl's name is Sarah, and the poster board is, like, orange, and it says, like, Happy Birthday Mom on it. Okay, so it's not, like, Mother's Day, because I believe that the movie, do we do get a actual date stamp as far as the time of year. I believe it is, like, late October, early November, but we will get a time stamp on that. So, the little girl's like, Mommy, where are the chickens? And she, like, just was like, oh, you know, I don't know where the chickens are. Honey, where are the chickens? And her husband, who's working on a tractor, looks around and is like, oh, gee, I don't know. And it's windy as hell there because the poster board, that the, the, the little beautiful thing that the daughter worked on for the mother's birthday just poof, right out of their hands. It's, the wind is really picking up. And you see Bob, like, laying on the horn. Like, you know, finally he pulls into their driveway after honking. The the family's like, what's going on? What's with this crazy guy honking the horn? Oh, so Bob gets out. And, of course, he can barely be heard over the one. Hey, hey. Okay, so we do get the word tornado dropped. But, of course, the guy, you know, the husband who was working on the tractor is all like, what? Putting a hand in, what? What are you saying? And Bob's like, it's a twister. And, of course, finally the family's like, Oh my gosh, look at over there. And there's this twister just annihilating a barn. And they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to take cover. Forget the chickens, they'll be fine. So they're running for their, like, tornado shelter. And, of course, that's probably when you see the chickens, like, running for cover. Like, oh, there they are. That's the thing, that animals sense these things before we do. It's like, sometimes, like, the animal isn't just that, isn't really acting like crazy. Like, they know things. So if your if your pet is acting different, then it could be a natural disaster. Natural disaster on the way. I don't know. Oh, they went into the root cellar. Okay. My husband's like, yeah, thanks a lot. Hurry to the root cellar. It's coming this way. Nobody gets hit by any type of debris of any kind as they're running to the root cellar. Granted, they don't have to run too far. And now that they've taken cover, we see this tornado just come out of nowhere and just demolish their house, their barn, I'm sure. The chickens whipping them up in a frenzy, they're gone. And Bob's like, oh, thank goodness I saved their lives. Their house is gone, but they're alive, hopefully. So before Bob gets in his truck, of course, we get the title card, Night of the Twisters, and some adorable teal light sky blue font now we're gonna go move to blainsworth where it's the fall there's a bike race going on and we meet our main character daniel hatch or dan of course we got this guy who's ragging on dan like oh nice bike because it's like an older model like probably from like the 70s it's got these wide like handlebars and everything. Of course, Dan's like, oh yeah, at least mine's not pink, you jerk. I don't know what, if this is a Devon 
thing if this I because it seems like he does this in other films you know in the 90s the whole sticking the tongue out all the time like what what is that that's not a character choice it's clearly a thing with the actor when he gets excited or happy or I don't know it's just kind of distracting we see a yellow sign that says Blainsworth bikeathon halfway point of course along with Dan now we're going to move on into the town of Blainsworth while this bike-a-thon is going on, we're going to meet the rest of his family. Of course, we got the stepdad. Like I said, he's played by John Snyder, who played... Was it Luke? He played Bo, right? Bo, Bo Duke, I think. Hey, Jeremy. Did John Snyder play Bo or Luke? He played Bo. Okay. Beauregard? Beauregard Duke? Huh. What was his middle name? Shut up. <laughs> Alright, so yes, um, here he plays Dan's stepfather, who was a big shot quarterback in high school. Unfortunately, we find out later he blew out his knee, so he wasn't able to go on to college and play. And I guess what he's doing now is he's running a store for, like, high school um, what's the word? Like souvenirs or alumni, just football stuff for the high school or so, so like a souvenir touristy type shop. And he's struggling with the business. He tried to get a loan from the bank. He's having a conversation like, I can't believe the bank turned me down. And the bank guy's just like, look, business for you has not been good since the big what do you say the big A opened at the mall? I don't even know what that is. But apparently the mall is doing maybe a sporting goods store, a shop that's doing a lot better. And it's kind of pushing out smaller businesses. So, oh well. Hey, we, I'm not going to get into what happens at the end of the movie. Like something turns around for him. But I'm just thinking, why didn't he do that to begin with? Instead of this little um, souvenir alumni sports shop thing that he's got going on that ain't just ain't uh, cutting the mustard. I mean, then his wife wouldn't have to work as a waitress. <laughs> oh, it was University of Nebraska football. Oh, so he was in college and then he blew out his knee. Otherwise, he probably went, would have went to the pros. I thought it was just high school. Okay, so I got you now. So he's selling, like, alumni, University of Nebraska-type paraphernalia school souvenir stuff. I agree with his banker friend. He does need to cut his losses and move on. Is this ain't helping you? So this is the first time we hear on the radio, actually, as Jack is coming out of his sporting store, that there was a tornado that touched down... 100 miles north of Blainsworth. So, of course, he's too distracted about the idea that he's going to lose his store to even care. I do, of course, it's been raining and they're doing this bike-a-thon. Isn't that not good? For, I mean, that could make things extra slick. So, it looks like Dan is actually getting ahead of this bully guy who was making fun of his bike. And then, wouldn't you know, 
ends up crashing his bike because some dingbat decides to throw a damn football into the street where the damn bike race is going on. And and it's either I hit this civilian or I like aim for a safer land which is going to be hitting this fire hydrant and falling off my bike. Which... He hits the fire hydrant and not the person. So he did. There was no casualty except for his bike wheel is just messed to shit now. So it's pretty much unusable. Okay, I just got a look at the person who was tossing a football color across the street. It was not a kid. It was an older senior citizen type that should know better. You're not throwing a football across and trying to catch it in the street when there are people on bikes competing in a bike race. You're a moron. I think that Dan at least gets up and he grabs the bike to get ready to get on it and then that's when he realizes the whole metal wheel frame is just bent. But you know what? Neither of the boys won. It was a repeat from last year. Some girl named Heller something or other won. Okay, good for her. Keeping that streak intact, girl. Good for you. Of course, now we're going to meet the other two members of Dan's family, his mother, and his Aunt Jenny, who are looking for Dan. Like, do you see him? Do you see him with all the other bikers, kids on bikes that are coming in from the race? You know, the the stragglers. And, of course, they don't see Oh, we also get to meet his half-baby brother, Ryan. Adorable little baby. So we also hear that Jenny... um. Dan's mother's sister. What is... I'm trying to think what her name is. Dan's mom's name. Laura. Laura, I think that's her name. Um, So, Aunt Jenny, she goes on, you know, dates looking for Mr. Wright. And, of course, she wants to see if her sister can come bowling with her because she always feels nervous about showing up to these dates. Like, oh, my God. But Laura has to work. She's a waitress and everything. Because they do have to have some money coming in. Because he's not really getting much money from that little uh, souvenir stand that he's running. So the girl who won the race. Not only won the race a second time. But she gets to help pick the winner of this sweet looking bike. That's also got like um, a little fanny pack thing. Like a a pack like, underneath the seat, so you can, like, pack, like, so, like, a sandwich or put a can of pop in there, a bottle of pop or whatever. Or a bottle of what? Well, I think it's already got, like, a water, like, a water bottle holder on the bike itself. But of course, Dan is frustrated. He just throws his bike down. It's like the wheel is so fucked up he can't even ride it. Um, but he was pushing it along. Of course, now we get to meet his step-grandma, who is Jack's mother, who, of course, is selling hot chocolate for 50 cents a pop. And we do get to meet Arthur, who has a nickname for Dan, calls him Mad Dog. <laughs> Arthur is such a cool guy. He's such a cool best friend. So the one thing about Arthur that we learned, he and his sisters, they moved from California to Nebraska, so they don't get a lot of crazy weather. It doesn't really rain much. Definitely no tornadoes. They have their own natural disasters, you know, earthquakes and everything. And he's like, hey, mad dog, how'd the race go? And, of course, Dan's like, ugh, crushed and burned. One thing, of course, like I said, we learned about Arthur, other than he hails from California, he loves to eat. Loves to eat. He's got one of those drumsticks that he's eating off of. 
<laughs> of course, um, Dan's step-grandma comes over, gives him hot chocolate because he lost the race and everything. She wants to make him feel better. She can tell, like, the way he threw his bike down on the sidewalk, which is now blocking the path of everybody. Um, she just wants to cheer him up. Of course, when he rejects it, like, oh, no, I don't need any. Thank you, Grandma. I don't need any hot chocolate. And Arthur's like, oh, I'll take it. And of course, because of course Arthur will. So, but uh, Grandma's not, not taking no for an answer. Like, you have some hot chocolate and you cheer up or it will give you such a smack on your head. <laughs> like, dang, Granny. <laughs> She's got a good heart, though. <laughs> I'm going to play this clip. Because I like what Arthur says about the fact, like, hey, look, we're not going to conquer. You and me, we're going to conquer the world with our awesome minds, not our stupid bikes. What an awesome friend is that? He is so cool. Yo, Mad Dog. Hey. What happened? Yes, yeah, fine. Crashed and burned. That's too bad. I figured you were good for at least 50th place. At least I competed. Well, bikes aren't my thing. What is your thing? Ice cream. Want a lick? No. What I want is to find a hole to crawl into. Come on, Dan. Stop being so hard on yourself. Guys like you and me are gonna conquer the world with our awesome minds, not our stupid bikes. Ah. Hot chocolate, Dan? Um, no thanks, Grandma. I'll take it. Come on. There's no reason for that long face. You did the best you could, right? Right, Grandma. Okay, give me that. Have some hot chocolate and cheer up. Or I will give you such a smack on your head. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good boy. Mm. So as you heard, Dan is like, gosh, you just want to find a hole to crawl into because he knows he's going to have to deal with Jack's wrath in a way of just that Dan doesn't, we're, you're going to hear it in a minute, but um, he just feels like he can't measure up. Jack is, you know, his stepdad is just so big into athletics and stuff, and Dan is just, he's not into that kind of thing. Um, but Dan's like, hey, at least I competed. And Arthur, would you'll hear this saying a lot, oh, well, bike races aren't my thing. Diaper changing, not my thing. I just, just not my thing. <laughs> so Dan's like, Arthur, what is your thing? And Arthur's like, uh, ice cream, here, you want it? <laughs> you want to look at that? <laughs> no. That's when the grandma steps in and offers Dan hot chocolate. He's like, oh, no, thanks, grandma. I'm good. And Arthur is like, he reaches right in there and like takes it from him. Like, oh, I'll take it. So, Grandma's trying to give him a little confidence, but it's like, you know what, you did the best you could, right? And, of course, Dan's embarrassed, like, yes, Grandma, I know. <laughs> so, she takes the hot chocolate, it's a, it's a little cup, mind you, from Arthur, gives it to Dan and says, now drink up your hot chocolate, or I will give you such a smack on the head. <laughs> so, up walks this damn cowboy dude. Clearly, like an old boyfriend, uh, or maybe he was a current boyfriend, and now she just like, go fuck yourself, cause he's like, hey, Judy, what's up? 
And she's like, yeah, as if you care. And he's like, well, I've been traveling. And she's like, yeah, you've been traveling over to Jennifer Stewart's house from what I hear. And he's like, where'd you hear that? And she's like, the guy's name is Harry. Like, Harry, you can pick up old news through osmosis. And she's just like, get the fuck away from me. Bye, Harry. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm done with you. And of course, it's, uh, uh, she and Laura and baby Ryan are, you know, they're kind of walking away. Jenny kind of comments like, gosh, he's a jerk. They're all jerks. All the guys they've been with are jerks. And of course, Laura's like, well, hey, maybe, Jenny, maybe you like jerks. Like, eh, yeah, right. So they're going to go over. They're going to, Jenny's going to cheer up Dan because he clearly needs some cheering up. And of course, you can tell right away Arthur's got a little crush on Jenny. <laughs> Granted, this is actually, like I said, it was filmed in Canada, but it's supposed to be set in Nebraska, so of course that's why you see a guy with a jean jacket and a cowboy hat, and Jenny's wearing a red leather fringe jacket. It looks really cool. <laughs> Jenny, I swear, she's like the cool aunt, because she goes over, apparently baby Ryan needed a diaper change, he took that second to like take a dump in his diaper, so Laura had to go and change him, so Jenny goes over there, says, calls him Tiger, <laughs> hey Tiger, how'd you do in the race? And Arthur's like, oh he crashed and burned, and Dan's like, you know I can speak for myself, I, I crashed and burned, basically. And we see Jack, you know, kind of watching all of this. And now he's, I'm going to play this clip because you can tell there is definitely tension. Jack just wants Dan to be able to finish the thing. That's a big thing in the movie is you need to finish what you start. And Dan's like, look at the bike. It's a piece of shit. The wheel's fucked up. I can't finish the race. And Jack gets to the point where he's like, I don't give a shit if you have to drag the damn bike across the finish line. You finish what you start. So Dan pretty much is like, okay. And he takes the bike and he's just dragging it along. And we go back to the bike contest. Who's going to get that new bike? Dan! Dan won. And it's so cool. Oh my gosh. I've never won anything. And it's so awesome. Of course, you know, he wants to show off his bike, but it's another thing about responsibility where Jack says, but you gotta be at your grandma's at like four to walk her dog because grandma's got arthritis so she can't walk her dog anymore. So it's all about responsibility and stuff like that. I'm gonna play that clip. Hey, Tiger. Hey, Aunt Jenny. Hi, Arthur. Hi, Jenny. What happened? He crashed and burned. Hey, I can speak for myself, thanks. Crashed and burned. <laughs> well, at least you didn't get hurt. Guess I'll just have to find a new sport. Well, the only sport you haven't failed at is yo-yo. Shut up. Hey, Danny! Saw you walking your bike. Yeah, well, I fell off. I should have got right back on, kept riding, right? Why? I mean, I was completely out of it. Because, Dan, it's important to finish the things you start. It's just a dumb bike race. No, no, it's not about what it is. It's about who you are. Look, I'm not an athlete, all right? Now, now we know that for sure, okay? Danny, look, talent is God-given, but 
commitment. That's something you have to give yourself. Look, I, I hate to see you quit something that you haven't finished. You know what? I hate it when you do this. What? This, what you're doing right now. Well, I hate all I'm you doing do it. right now is I am telling you what I know is true. You need to get on that bike and you need to finish this race. Look at the bike. The, the wheel is completely out of whack. I don't, I don't care if you have to drag the bike across the finish line. Now you get on it and you finish the race that you started. No. No, I'm not going to do it. You do it, Dan. You do it. Yes, sir. Thank you. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, kids, how can they really live up to or be expected to live up to their parents' expectations of and I mean, I get it. It's not a huge, huge thing. Like, he's just saying, why can't you finish the things that you start? Regardless of the condition of the bike. Drag it across the finish line. But finish the race. And he's like, oh, it's important to finish the things that you start. Because Dan's all like, well, it's just a dumb bike race. And Jack's like, no, it's not about what it is. It's about who you are. And, of course, Dan, this is just an all-out shouting match now in public. He's like, you know, I hate it when you do this. And Dan's like, or Jack's like, well, what am I doing? And Dan's like, this, what you're doing right now. And you're just screaming at each other. And Dan's like, look at the bike. Look at it. It's a piece of shit. And he's like, and, and Jack's like, I don't give a sh if you need to, to take the bike and just physically walk it all the way to the finish line, but do it. And, and Dan crosses his arms like, no, no, I'm not going to. And Jack's like, no, you're going to do it. I don't care if you don't want to, basically. And, and Dan, of course, what does he do? He just grabs the bike and just starts walking it. Like, yes, sir. Like, ugh. And just think, I mean, this is it. He's not even a blood relative. He's a stepfather, which I think is just as bad as if it were if he were his biological father. Because Dan even says, I'm not an athlete. Okay, we both know that. He's not, he's not asking you to be an athlete. He's just asking you to finish what you started, which is the bike race. I mean, he was, he fell off, he got on it, realized the front wheel was fucked up, and he was just walking it anyway, like, just walk it to the end, that's all you gotta do, it's not asking a lot, it's not like he, your stepfather's asking you to try out for football knowing that you're not an athlete, you don't have to be an athlete to compete in a bike race, Granted, you might have want to actually have ridden a bike recently and maybe trained a little bit for it, but that's not the same thing. You know what I mean. So, oh, okay, so talent is God-given, but commitment, he's talking about commitment, just finishing the things that you start. Okay, so let's go on to, he's going to win that bike now. Granted, of course, and this does bring get brought up later, that Jack does have the son that he wants, the quarterback that he's going to mold him into a football player, basically, with little baby Ryan. I mean, I don't even know if we find out just how long, like, when did Jack come into Dan and Laura's lives, exactly. Was he, like, six? Was he eight? I don't know. All right, now, and the winner of the new Azuro Gardein and Deluxe Accessory Package... 
Okay. Well, folks, if your name was on one of those, all I can say is better luck next year. Okay, the winner is... Daniel Hatch. Dan, where are you? Well done, well done. There Thank you go. You. Better take her before she blows weight. There you go. Thanks. Give him a big hand, folks. Uh, look, I've got to go uh, pick up a new fuel pump for the truck, all right? There you go. Mommy's right here. You going to be home in time to take me to work? Uh, Jenny, could you take her? No problem. What do you think? That's a beauty. Oh, beauty. Really nice. <laughs> um, is it right if I go get a soda? Sure, honey, go ahead. Go somewhere. Well, now, now, wait a minute. Now, you remember? You have to be at your grandmother's in one hour to walk the dog. Yeah. One hour. She's not feeling too All right, okay, okay. Okay. Don't forget. Have fun. See you later. I love how they do this, where you see Dan walking up with the crappy bike with a fucked up front wheel and the guy who's doing the giveaway pulls out and reads dan's name i like how he says well anyone whose name isn't on this better luck next year but he's like daniel hatch and you just see dan's face just light up just in surprise like oh my gosh and arthur's like walking beside him like hey man that's you and it's like oh that is so cool this bike is sweet looking. It's got a helmet and it's black and it's got like red like flames coming off the top. It's really cool. And it's also got like um the saddlebag thing on the just underneath the seat and also a water bottle thing like in um like the one section you know where a water bottle goes on a bike and everything. it's just really really awesome like oh wow yeah it's got like a big red pack on the back of it and it's got the little saddlebag things it's really cool looking and it's one of those like 10 speed you know where the wheel is like really thin it's got like the little wire things that go to like the speeds on the handlebars and stuff like that so Dan brings the bike over to his family. Hey, what do you think of the bike? Pretty sweet, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really good. So, of course, he wants to go and celebrate. Can I go get a soda with Arthur? And, of course, the mother, um, you know, Laura's like, oh, yeah, sure. Honey, go celebrate. And, of course, Jack's got to be like, oh, well, now remember, in an hour, you got to go to your grandma's to walk her dog because she's not feeling well. well of course, she isn't. But anyway, um, and, of course, Laura's got to go to work she's a waitress and of course jack can't take her because he got a new fuel pump for his truck and uh just all these different obstacle um, things coming up luckily jenny is free so she can take her set is that her sister or is she jack's sister i don't know one of them <laughs> i don't know <laughs> anyway of course dan's like yeah don't worry i got it the dog one hour grandma sure bye so we cut back to Bob, who's in his truck, and he's talking with his weather friend, and they're just discussing the tornado. The weather friend is like, no, no, not in this hemisphere. I don't think you really saw what you saw in this and that. And Bob's like, no, I'm serious. I saw it with my own eyes. It's going to go this way instead of that way, and it's just debilitating. Now, let's go back to 
Arthur and Dan hanging out on a park bench in, I don't know, like a little mini park or something. They're talking about the fact that he won a bike and it's just, wow, it's amazing. I had a shit day and all of a sudden I win this bike and it's just really cool. Arthur apparently also knows about clouds too, which it's nice to have another person who, well, he's like, oh, yeah, there's a glim cumulus cloud up there. And that's, I think, about as much as he knows about clouds, like the shapes of them or what they're called. All right, so Tornado took out a farm about one o'clock. It's 3.30 something in the afternoon now the tornado, I don't know if it's the same one, probably not, but it's taking out an entire trailer park. Remember how it was like 120 miles from Blainsworth? Now it's 75 miles from Blainsworth. Now it's making its way towards Blainsworth. But it's going to have some destruction. It's going to leave destruction in its path on the way to Blainsworth. So Arthur, of course, is the childish one because he's like, hey, let's rig up where this park sign is put some leaves there so that way when someone like trips over this string it'll like leaves will just fall right on their head or something <laughs> and dan's like this is stupid don't you think it's stupid we're still doing things like this it's very childish and arthur's like no no dan it's not stupid it's it's fun like eh, whatever one person looks like they're growing up. The other one seems like they're, they they want to stay 10 years old, even though they're both, like, 15, 16 years old. So, yeah, they're kind of talking about the fact that, um, you know, Dan's like, gosh, I, I can't believe I won this bike. And um, Arthur's like, yeah, it's a great bike, as he's, like, reclining, like, laying on a picnic table. And Dan's like, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a great bike, but I just, I've never won anything before. And Arthur kind of goes into saying um, how that's, his grandfather says that would be like a red leather, letter day, like when great things happen that you don't expect. And of course, Dan's like, well, if there are red letter days, there's got to be like black letter days. And Arthur's like, oh, you mean like when bad things happen? And then they get into a discussion about, yeah, like... So, Dan's version of a black letter day is, like, if you fall off your bike and break your face. And Arthur's like, would you want to know about that? And Dan's like, what do you mean? Like, the good red leather letter days or the black ones? And it's like, well, wh whichever. Who cares? And, of course, Dan's like, well, I don't know. I mean, just because you know something's bad can happen to you doesn't mean you can prevent it from happening. Hence, kind of, uh, like, oh, yeah, like, when he starred in, um, Final Destination, and that's kind of what that was. That movie was about trying to prevent, you know, something bad from happening. Of course, like all teenage boys, start talking about, you know, one thing I'd like to know in advance when I... <laughs> When um, I see my first naked lady, <laughs> Arthur says that, of course, because he's immature. And Dan's like, why? So you can prepare yourself to faint. And they start shoving each other. And it's just funny. And then, of course, Arthur shoves Dan and he's on the ground. And when he looks up, of course, Arthur's older sister, Stacy, and younger sister, I think her name is Sarah. Is it Sarah? They're there. It's like, oh my gosh, you boys are so immature. <sighs> of course, Arthur knows that Dan has a crush on his older sister. I mean, it's hard not to realize that.
I'm going to play this clip because it's just funny. It's typical, you know, teenage kid stuff. Just the, the things you think about that really don't have any real meaning to it. It's just, you're kind of just shooting the breeze. Don't you think it's a little weird we're still doing things like this? Come on, it'll be fun. It's not fun. It's stupid is what it is. What's the matter with you? It's not stupid. See that cumulus over Avena? Huh? It's big fluffy clouds, they're called cumulus. It means Dan is a doorknob in Latin. Oh, funny. I can't believe I won this bike. It's a great bike. Oh, it's an awesome bike. I just, I've never won anything before. It's what my grandpa would call a red letter day. You know when big time stuff happens you aren't expecting? Yeah, but then there'd have to be black letter days. You mean like bad news days? Yeah, like you knew in advance that you were gonna fall off your bike and completely break your face or something. Did you wanna know? Good stuff for the bad stuff. Either one. <sighs> no, I, I don't think so. I mean, just because you know something's gonna happen doesn't mean you can prevent it from happening, you know? Serious weather. Come on, stay home. You know, one thing I might want to know in advance is, uh, is when I'm going to see my first naked girl. Why? So you can prepare yourself to faint? Oh, very funny. You'll probably have to be hospitalized. Oh, yeah? I can see it now. Hey, they're mad, John. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> I hope I'm not interrupting anything too macho. No, no, we were just, um, uh, testing the ground. Yeah, nice and soft. Hmm. So, uh, did mom and dad leave yet? Yeah, big romantic weekend out on the lake. Well, who's looking after you guys? I'm in charge. What could happen? Well, you could get sick eating too much pizza and destroy the living room carpet. <laughs> Just because you're a health freak doesn't mean I can't enjoy a little pizza now and then. Don't be so defensive, Lardo. It's a nice bike, Dan. Thanks. Come on, we better get home before it starts raining. Uh, Stacy. Um, I can, uh, I can ride you double if you want. Uh, no thanks. I don't ride double. Come on, Stacy, let's go. Um, you know, I would ride double with you, Dan. If you ever got Harley. I love Harleys. Vroom. <laughs> um, what? <laughs> Aren't we a little old for this kind of stuff? <laughs> She's a pain, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not completely nuts for her. Come on, let's get a pizza. Now, Stacy kind of seems kind of like she's a little stuck up. <laughs> because she sees Arthur and Dan fooling around. Arthur actually grabs Dan by, like, his legs and, like, shoves, like, pulls him down to the ground. Like, dang. <laughs> but anyway, she's like, oh, I hope I'm not interrupting anything too macho. And Dan, like, immediately gets up. He's like, oh, no, uh, we're just testing the ground. As he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's nice and soft. <laughs> so apparently Arthur and 
And um, Stacy and I believe Sarah's parents, they went away for a romantic weekend on the lake. And since Stacy is the oldest sibling, she's going to be in charge of the younger two. And Arthur's like, oh, seriously, oh, what could happen? And Stacy's like, well, you could get sick eating too much pizza and ruin the living room carpet. And of course... Arthur's like, hey, look, just because I like a little pizza now and then, and I'm not a health freak, and it's just like, you know, sibling banter and everything like that. So, Stacy compliments Dan's new bike. She and her little sister get ready to go, and he, Dan's like, oh, I could ride you double if you want, if you wanted, you know, on his bike. And she just kind of turns her nose up at him like, no, I don't ride double. But then she turns to go and says, oh, Dan, I would ride double with you if you ever got a Harley. I love Harleys. Varum. Like, okay, girl, calm down. Uh, But, of course, they hit that string that's attached to that little cardboard flap that uh, releases the dead fallen leaves because it's, like, November and the leaves are nasty looking. And like, oh my gosh, aren't you a little too, we, aren't we a little too old for this? So they leave, and Arthur just got such a kick out of this. He's just like, <laughs> and he looks at Dan, it's like, Dan, come on, she's a pain. And Dan's like, eh, yeah, sure. And Arthur's like, basically, I can read you like a book. I Like, you're not completely nuts for my sister. So he's like, hey, let's go get a pizza. So... So Dan and Arthur are hanging out in Arthur's basement and they're playing pool. And Dan's like, hey, do you want to have dinner at my house tonight? And of course, Arthur, you know, since the parents are away and his sister Stacy is this big health nut. And he's like, oh, what are you having? And Dan's like, I don't know. Caviar and champagne. <laughs> so, of course, Arthur's like, well, I'm in because it's better than whatever Stacy's going to cook. And, of course, it's just now that Dan realizes he forgot to walk Grandma's dog. Shoot. So now he hightails it out of there to get over to Grandma's house. So we get back to Bob, the storm chaser, and he's like, it's really weird between him and his weather guy that he's got kind of monitoring the situation. He's like, oh my gosh, we're predicting snow. What is going on here? And, of course, Bob's going to go to Blainesville, or Blainsworth, because he thinks it's going to, you know, the tornado, the action's going to be hitting down, like, towards the state instead of, like, northeast, which his weather guy is predicting. So, all right. So, Dan gets to his grandma's house. Jack is there, of course, putting the dog in the truck. And he tells Dan, like, hey, your grandma called me when you didn't show up. And Dan, of course, is apologetic. And turns out the dog's got a lame foot or something, so it's not like she'd be able to go for a walk. She's gonna, he's going to take her to the vet, check, get her checked out. But, of course, he still has to give Dan a lecture about, like, hey, what's going on with you? We just had to talk about responsibility and commitments and stuff like that. So he's like, all right, just head home. I'll see you later. And, of course, <laughs> um... Jack's mother's like, you know, you used to treat, what'd she say? You used to treat responsibility like a plague, like the plague or something. And she's like, just kind of getting after Jack. Like, you know what? 
he reminds me of a young boy. Like, remember when you were that age? Yeah, and of course, Jack just kind of laughs it off. And apparently she's got, like, some rheumatism, like arthritis or something in her shoulders. And she's kind of comments on the weather. Like, the, even Dan's like, well, we're in for, for some crazy weather. You know, he and Arthur when they were at that park. And it seems like... it. It's that thing with the senior citizens, like, sometimes they get pains when bad weather's happening or something, or when it rains. And she says, I haven't felt these pains for a long, long time, because he's kind of, like, rubbing her shoulders, Jack is, and trying to, like, help loosen up the, the pain and everything like that, so. Alright, so we got another time stamp. It's six miles, yeah, six miles northeast of Blainsworth at about 4.30 p.m., so it seems like it's the, the tornado is getting closer. It, it's got to be that same tornado from the beginning of the movie. It's just following a long course from one side of the state to the ne- other. I don't know. I, like I said, guys, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't really know how tornadoes work. I just know that they leave a lot of devastating damage in their wake. But here's an interesting thing we learn about Dan. Um, he likes... T- to do wood carvings and stuff. He's always, you know, he's got his little jackknife. He's always whittling away at something. I think it's like a bird or something that he's making. He's sitting out on the porch when Arthur rolls up with his bike. And Dan's kind of just babysitting Ryan, who's sitting in his little um, stroller, just hanging out. Of course, this is where we get the whole diaper comments. Because Arthur's like, oh, he's a cute kid. And Dan's like, oh, yeah, he's a real cute kid. But you ever changed his diaper? And, of course, Arthur's looking at little baby Ryan like, oh, no, not my thing. And it's just like, of course not. So Dan's going to put little baby Ryan or daddy's little quarterback down for a nap. And he's, like, giving Arthur orders, like, grab the carriage, which he means, you know, the stroller, and, oh, get the door for me, too. Like, Dan always seems kind of boss Arthur around a little bit, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. But there was something in the shot out of the way. I'm not sure what that was. I thought it was, like, a dog's, like, wagging tail, but, like, they don't have a dog, though. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, like somebody offset or something had to grab something. I don't know. Oh, and apparently they're going to have pot roast for dinner. Ooh, that sounds yummy. So, baby Ryan's room is adorable. It's like blue with white clouds all over the room. And he's got just a really cool... Anyway, um, I just, I look at, like, Dan, and I see baby Ryan, and I'm just looking at the actor, and I'm like... It almost feels like he could play like a teen father, the way he handles that baby and everything. So he's also, Dan is not just a woodcarver, he is an artiste. He's working with like either watercolors or colored pencils or something. And of course, you know, they're kind of hanging out in the kitchen while Dan's mom is getting dinner ready to go. Because she's got her waitress uniform on because she's going to be heading to work. And, of course, Arthur's got, it's really cool what it is. It's um, a wood carving of a fishing boat with, um, it's supposed to be a father and a son and um, in a fishing boat. And, of course, Dan gave that to Jack 
for Father's Day. And apparently, no, Jack's not into wood carvings, apparently. Like, ugh. Jeez. Like, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, of course, I love Arthur's comment. Like, oh, it's like two guys fishing and one of them's a midget, right? And Dan just looks at Arthur like, one of them's a kid. And Arthur's like, oh, yeah, I see it now. Of course, not only are they having pot roast for dinner, they're having pie for dessert. And, of course, I love Arthur saying, oh, um... You wouldn't have to have whipped cream, would you? And I love Laura's response. Arthur, now when I offer you pie without whipped cream, I want to play this club. It's just adorable. So this is your latest, huh? Yeah. It's no big deal. No, it's really cool. It's like two guys fishing and one of them's a midget, right? My name's a kid. Right, I see it. I gave it to my dad for Father's Day. Oh yeah? Must have been pretty stoked. No, actually, he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like wood carvings. You staying for dinner, Arthur? Yes, ma'am. Well, that is if it's okay with you. It's fine. You can help Danny babysit. Again? Just until your dad gets home. But, uh, I was just gonna go out. I... Honey, I have to work. You know that. Yeah, I know. <sighs> Look, I'm sorry. I... I'm sorry. Fresh pie for dessert. You don't have whipped cream, do you? Arthur, would I offer you pie without whipped cream? You know all my vices, Mrs. Hatch. Okay, that'll be Jenny. I gotta go. Ryan's asleep, so he won't be any trouble. Your dad will be home soon, I promise. I'll make sure Dan does all the dishes and stuff. Thank you, Arthur. Mom? Mm -hmm. <sighs> Was Dad pretty disappointed about, about the race today? Dad will be disappointed until the day you win the Heisman Trophy. He loves you very much, Dan. I know, it's just... Sometimes I think that I should be... He loves you. Nothing else matters. Thanks, Mom. Of course, Laura asks Arthur if he's going to be staying for dinner, and Arthur's like, yes, ma'am. But then he's like, oh, I mean, if that's okay with you. So Laura's like, yeah, sure, you can help Danny babysit. And of course... Dan's like, what? Again? <laughs> like, I thought that was just... But, of course, it's like, you know, I have to work. Your father's going to be home soon. It'll be fine, and then you guys can go out later. I mean, yeah, she does have to work. Somebody has to bring in an income, because that little sports souvenir shop ain't cutting the bread and mustard. <laughs> so, Dan, of course, like a good son, he, he apologizes for his outburst. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, of course, this is where we get the whole, oh, we have pie for dessert, and Arthur's like, oh, you wouldn't have to have whipped cream, would you? And she's like, Arthur, would I offer you pie without whipped cream? And I love how he's like, you know all my vices, Mrs. Hatch. And it's adorable. Of course, the horn honks outside. It's Jenny taking Laura to work. And <laughs> Arthur's like, oh, I'll make sure Dan does the dishes and everything. Like, uh, yeah. So this is where 
Dan expresses, like, hey, because he knows that Jack's disappointed in him, that he's not, like, that athletic. I mean, that's what Ryan's for. You know, the baby. He can be the quarterback that Jack always wanted. But he's just like, was he disappointed about the race? And, of course, Laura says something like, Oh, your dad will be disappointed until the day that you win the Heisman Trophy. Like, basically, yeah, he's just disappointed that you're not, like, an athlete like he is. I mean, uh, you know, bike race or no bike race. But, uh, you know, she just says, you know what, your dad loves you. That is all that matters. Now, I just want to take a minute and point out a couple of the clothing items that... Devin Sawa is wearing. He's got the striped shirt and he's got the kind of blackish grayish jacket. I actually remember seeing those on him and past like pinups or centerfolds or posters that I had of him on my wall and I, re- I remember that. So. so Laura gets into Jenny's car. There's a thing about Jenny's car that is going to come up later. When she starts backing down the driveway, all of a sudden the car kind of stalls out. And Jenny's like, oh, it does this. It'll start in a second. It just stalls. Don't worry about it. And this is where Laura kind of brings up Jack's, um, Jack being hard on Dan for not being. So she says that Jack is just really hard on Dan, that he's so worried about the boy that, or worried about the man that he's going to become that he forgets that Dan is still a boy, he's just a teenager. He's gonna make mistakes, he's gonna be impulsive, he's gonna forget things. Because that's what teenagers do. They don't have that logic part of their brain, you know, installed yet. And Jenny's like, well, Jack's hard on a lot of people, especially himself. And of course, with, you know, her complaining, Jen kind of jumps in there with, you know, (laughs) what I wouldn't give to have your problems. You have an amazing husband, a great, great couple of kids. Be happy. Like, I would kill to have that those kind of problems. <laughs> and of course, Laura's like, you know, it's not all a batter of roses, believe me. <laughs> Luckily, the, call st- the car starts back up, so that way they can continue on their journey to Laura's waitressing job. Also, another thing that Laura said is that she wants Jack to be more of a pal a father than a father figure. You know, a friend to Dan, not... Always be harping on him all the time. How can you have a relationship with someone who's always disappointed in you? And so he's like, you need to smarten up. And you need to be focused on, you know, committing to things. And I'm like, oh my god. You can't have a a relationship with that. Because you're always going to feel like you're a disappointment. So back at the house, we got Dan who's cleaning out the baby bottles. Arthur, of course, is... Being, you know, I don't know, what the heck is it, what is, Dan calls it like a bull roar or something that the Indians use to predict rain or something like that. But anyway, Dan starts getting, you know, talking to Arthur about like, hey, don't you just wish it were you and your parents and not your sisters? And Arthur's like, well, but who would I, you know, annoy, you know? And of course, Dan's like, 
I mean, I adore Ryan, but it's really hard to, you know, to be the brother, like, of someone that's completely adored. And, of course, Arthur's like, well, maybe they're trying to make up for their first mistake. Well, first of all, Arthur doesn't know that Jack is Dan's stepfather. He's not his biological father. He only lets that slip when he and Stacy are talking later on in the movie. Of course, outside, because they're in the house, but through the windows, you can kind of see, like, the flashing lights and the rain. You can hear the rain outside. And, of course, you know, with the, the string thing, leather, whatever strap that Arthur's playing with, is like, what is this thing? And Jet, or, bleh, Dan calls it, like, a bull roar thing or something like that that Native Americans use to predict rain. And then he takes the um, the sprayer hose on the sink, turns around, and sprays Arthur in the face. Like, hey, works pretty good, huh? Of course, Arthur falls backwards and breaks a damn kitchen chair. And it's like, shit. My dad's going to have a shit that he's going to go, what's he say? He's going to go postal? Yeah. And Arthur, like, goes over to the window in the living room. Like, uh, Dan, your dad's home. Like, shit. Hide the evidence. Yeah, like he's not going to notice a missing chair at the table. Come on. So Jack comes home. Of course, he sees that Dan just left his brand new bike out in the rain. So he comes in and is surprised to see Arthur there. Like, oh, you're eating with us again? (laughs) And Arthur's like, well, my sister's a terrible cook. And my parents are out of the house. So, yeah. So... Dan and pours himself some orange juice, says, hey, Ryan's been asleep for a while. So he and Arthur leave the kitchen, of course. Jack calls him back and says, hey, did you, have you ever seen what a meat mallet does to a porterhouse steak? And they're like, no, what? About the same thing that a hail, hail the size of a baseball does to a bike? Especially a nice shiny new one? Yeah. Like, get your ass outside and get your bike up on the porch where it won't get ruined. Of course, it's rainy, it's windy, and Dan's all like, wow, this weather is totally harsh. Arthur loves it. Like I said, he's from California. He's like, we're lucky if it rained like once a year. And Dan, of course, is getting frustrated with Arthur. Like, you idiot. What is wrong with you? This isn't some L.A. theme park, okay? This is some serious weather. <laughs> Arthur's just like, yeah, it's raining, woo! <laughs> and now we go to the Salty Dog, which is the restaurant that Laura works at, she waitresses at, and of course they got the television on, and they're talking about thunderstorms, rain, wind, some funnel clouds being spotted around um, Danburg or whatever the heck it's called. Danburg. So the the newscasters just like, take precautions if you can. Yeah, like that's what I want to see when I'm like eating in a restaurant. Of course, this guy named Gus who's a trucker talks about like how bad these things get, these twisters, these tornadoes, and how it's like drive a straw through a telephone pole and rip the skin from your bones and blah 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 blah. 
And of course, Laura, Laura's just like, thanks for the play-by-play, Gus. Let's not scare people. I won't shut the fuck up. It's like, last year in Texas, a tornado, like, drove a herd of cows, like, clear across the county. And it took the cleanup crew, like, a week to get them out of the trees or some shit like that. And of course, Laura's like, please, people are trying to eat. Can you, like, shut up? I don't need to hear this right now. People are trying to eat. First, Gus was like, I could be in Kansas in an hour and a half. Anyone who wants to survive the night can ride with me. Okay. Um, Bob, of course, comes in and he needs to get a fill up on his coffee. And he's like, anyone on the roads are most likely the ones to get killed during a tornado. And, of course... He says, well, I'm going to stick around here and kind of see what happens. And Laura, Laura's a little nervous, like, you don't think that it's going to come this way, do you? And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to wait it out. I'm going to see what's going on. Oh, so she reads his hat because she's uh, refilling his thermos. She sees it says Kansas City Tornado Center. And she says, oh, are you going to head up t- towards Dannenbrog? And he's like, no, I'm going to stick around here. And that's when Laura says, well, you don't think it's going to come our way, do you? And he's like, I don't know. Basically, you can just uh, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That is usually a pretty good saying, you know, prepare for the worst, you know, hope for the best, that it's not going to be as bad. But at least if you're preparing for the worst, you know that if it is bad, you'll be ready for it. Or as ready as you can be. So Laura calls home just to check with Jack and see that the kids are okay. That he's aware of the tornado. And he says, yes, I am. They're showing bulletins on the television. And of course, turns out Laura's in luck. There's more waitresses than there are customers. So she and Laura have been sprung. And Jack's like, do you want me to come and get you? She's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'll have Jenny come and get me and everything like that. And, yeah. So, upstairs in Dan's room, he's playing the harmonica. We got uh, Arthur on the old little drum set, like the bongo drums, I guess. Yeah, they're bongo drums. And, of course, it's like, you have a sleeping infant brother. You probably shouldn't be making all that racket because... Jack comes up, like, hey, guys, Ryan's still asleep. Can you keep it down, please? I was like, yeah. Uh, dear, you would be doing that. You're not going to be doing, you know, making a bunch of racket when you have a sleeping sibling or whatever down the hall. That's just inconsiderate. Babies neither sleep. Dan's room, I mean, if you wonder what kind of kid he is, he's definitely got, like, pictures of the solar system, posters. He's got a blow-up, like, triceratops into dinosaurs so he's definitely in down with like the environment the planets the dinosaurs he's down with all of that stuff apparently he's really into marine life as well and insect he they they really did this kid's room like up big time like here's what we think a teenager his age would be into Bugs and dinosaurs and planets and marine life and all of oh my goodness gracious sake. So yeah, Jack just tells him, keep it down. It's nighttime after all. Ryan's asleep. And of course, I love how he says, like, look, it it was really, it it was great, but it's nighttime, so keep it down. And I like how Arthur's like, yeah, my hands are raw anyway. And we get a Nintendo drop. Dan's like, hey, you want to play Nintendo? And of course, it's like, yeah, but let's get some of that pie first. 
And Tim's like, Arthur, are you always hungry? And Arthur says, you can't play Nintendo on an empty stomach. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the boys are coming into the living room. Jack's watching something on television. Of course, there's a severe weather update where a tornado had been spotted like 14 miles away from Blainsworth. And they're just saying, take precautions. Basically be concerned. And Jack's like, Danny, can you go into the kitchen? And of course, Dan knows the drill. Like, oh yeah, yeah, unplug the appliances and this and that. And of course, like, go help him, Arthur. Like, <laughs> And mind you, like I said... Arthur is a California native. He doesn't know anything about these tornadoes and the fact that you do have to unplug all your, you know, appliances and everything. And probably even open the windows so that way the pressure doesn't blow out the windows and you got glass all over the place, so. And Jack is trying to get a hold of his mother and she's not answering because we find out she fell asleep. And now he's got to go check. Like, I got to go check on my mom. I'll be right back. Just make sure she's okay. And look after your brother, if anything. He really stresses the fact, don't forget about your brother if something happens. And Danny's like, I'm not going to forget my brother. And it's like, no, just because he not, he, Dan forgot to walk the dog and stuff like that. And in the case of an emergency and you got to go into the basement or wherever, just don't forget about him. It was probably the best accelerator to the completion of my work here. The new games are, I mean, oh, it's just... Harold Ferguson with another KHAS weather update. A tornado has been reported 14 miles northwest of Blainsworth. And the National Weather Service has issued a tornado warning for St. Paul, Danabrog, and rural Howard County. Persons in these vicinities are urged to take every possible precaution. Stay tuned to KHAS for immediate weather updates on this emergency situation. It's pretty intense. Yeah, Danny, why don't you go know, in the kitchen and plug all the appliances? I know, I know, I know. Come on, right. Give me a hand, Arthur. The lightning hits the uh, hits the house and all the plants just blow. Cool. <laughs> Come on, mom, answer the phone, would you please? Guys, come on. I'm gonna go check on your grandmother. Your mom is coming back from work right now. Oh, listen, if things get out of hand, I want you to uh, remember to take care of your. I know the drill. Uh, just don't forget about your brother, all right? I'm not gonna forget my brother. Danny, don't forget. Actually, what it is, it's if the lightning hits the house and all the appliances are plugged in, they're all just going to blow out their feet. They'll be worthless. So, as I said, uh, Jack's got to check on his mother. Says, just remember if anything happens. And Dan kind of cuts him off like, yeah, I know the drill. And Jack's like, well, don't forget your brother. And 
Dan's like, I'm not going to forget my brother. It's like, just don't forget him. So he leaves, and of course, that's when the phone rings, and Laura can't get a hold of Jenny to pick her up, and now Jack is gone. So it's like, then the phone goes out. Like, shoot. And you hear that wind, and you just, the rain, and it's just like, not good. So the whole time Arthur's been making jokes, but now it's getting serious because he's trying to call his sisters, and it's like I I gotta see if I can get home. I I can't get a hold of my sisters, and and Dan's like, no, you you can't go out there. Have you seen what it's doing outside? You can't go out there. But of course, Arthur's getting nervous. Like, can you please stop? You're you're freaking me out. Arthur's like, kind of like, I, I don't think it's going to be that, I don't think it's that bad. And of course, Dan's like, you're from California. What could you possibly know about tornadoes? And Arthur's like, well, I got an A on my tornado report. And Dan's like, yeah, but you cheated. So how much do you really know? So Arthur's kind of talking about how the tornado should go like... When you say southwest to northeast, he says that's how tornadoes move. And this can only go get farther away from us, not closer. Like, yeah, right. So I'm going to play this because things go from bad to worse as soon as that siren goes off. To kind of let people know, like, you need to take shelter now because a tornado is, like, practically upon you. Now that, you know, his mom is not there and his dad is now not there, it's up to Dan to take control of things. So he's got to deal with his infant brother who's still asleep upstairs. He's got to deal with Arthur who's freaking out and he needs to check on his sisters. He's really worried. And he's got to try to keep things calm. Still dead? Yeah. Maybe I should try and make it home. No, no, you can't go out there. I mean, look at it. You can't go out there. Can you please calm down? You're freaking me out, okay? Everything's gonna be fine. What do you know about tornadoes? Huh? You're from California. What can you possibly know? Nay, on my tornado report. <laughs> yeah, but you cheated. Oh, uh, okay, look. Danabrock and St. Paul are both north of Blainsworth, right? Yeah, so? So tornadoes always move from southwest to northeast. This one can only possibly get farther away from us, not closer. It'll probably head off that way someplace. What is that? Okay, let's go. Grab that window right there. So they hear the siren, Dan jumps into action, has Arthur start opening the windows so that way the pressure doesn't build up and blow the windows out. Also, they have like a little utility closet that's got a lantern, you know, also tells Arthur to get a flashlight, a blanket, and Dan has to go up and get Ryan, of course, because he's sleeping. Like, you don't want to forget your brother. But I like how he jumped right into action there. Clearly, he'd probably bit hurt, you know, 
been through the tornado drills. I'm sure the family's practiced them. Arthur, of course, this is all new to him. So he's like, what's that noise? You know, it's a siren going off telling you you need to take cover, like, now. So now we're going to jump to the salty dog where Laura is trying to get a hold of somebody. Unfortunately, because like I said, Dan was talking to his mom, said, sorry, dad is gone to check on grandma. And Laura can't get a hold of Jenny to come pick her up. Because, and all of a sudden, boom, the line went dead. So Laura now is trying to see if she can get through to to Dan again. And unfortunately, the phone lines are all down in that area. So, yeah. Granted, this is all before cell phones, too, so you had to rely on heavily on landlines. So, Dan goes upstairs to get Brian, and as soon as he picks him up out of his crib, Arthur's running up the stairs saying, Hey, look, the siren stopped. And Dan's, like, confused, like, what? It stopped? Why did the siren stop? It's just weird. So, Dan pretty much chalks it up, like, maybe that was a false alarm, and goes to put Ryan down. And leave the room. Of course, Arthur has to regale us with a book that he read about a bunch of ships that went out to sea. And there are all these hurricane warnings and the hurricanes never came. So he's like, hey, that's good news. The siren stopped. Maybe there isn't going to be a tornado. So now we go back to the salty dog. Laura is there by herself. Apparently everyone has left. Even all the waitresses all got their rides home. And Jenny is there to pick her up. And it's just raining and blowing. And uh, remember how I said Jenny's car was having an issue? Well, that issue is coming back. And she says, what's wrong with the car is the fact that I can't afford the maintenance on it. So when this thingy gets wet, I don't know what the thingy is. Then the car doesn't want to work. That's great. It is not the situation that you want your car to stop working when you need to get out of there. So a hubcap hits the windshield and they decide to take cover inside the restaurant. So they're running from the car to get into the restaurant. And of course, Laura gets hit in the side of the face with a trash can lid cover. Like, ooh. Depending on how strong that wind is, I mean, that could knock out some teeth if it hit you hard enough in just the right angle. Let alone probably cut you. So we go back to the house. Arthur is flipping through an old scrapbook of Jack's glory days of being a football star in college. And, of course, he was like, why didn't Jack, like, make it to, like, the NFL? And Dan's like, well, he blew out his knee in spring practice. And, of course, Arthur's like, well, maybe that's why he's so hard on you to be good at sports because, or or whatever. And, of course, Dan's like, wow, you ask a lot of questions. And Arthur's like, well, (laughs) you can't find stuff out otherwise, which is understandable, but seriously. Dan does not want to be reminded of what a disappointment he is to his stepfather, or in Arthur's thinking case, his father. So, of course, they still have the window open, and Dan gets up out of the chair and notices, like, that wind is really blowing. Arthur still has that little string leather strap contraption that he's, like, swirling it around, like, it's a twister! It's a twister, Auntie Am! (laughs) And... Dan just looks at, like, will you stop playing with that thing? Because he's, like, looking outside. And Arthur's like, I'm not. And then Dan's like, well, what do you mean you're not? And Arthur's like, well, look, I'm holding it. Like, the string is wrapped around the leather strap thing. And it's like, uh, I don't think the tornado has completely canceled itself out yet. 
Not to mention, now, by swinging that stupid thing, Arthur knocked over a lamp and broke it. Great. So they're minus one light. So he's broken a chair and a lamp. Uh, don't come over to my house anymore because you just break shit. No, actually, it was a lamp that was on an end table by that chair. I thought it was like that standing lamp, but it's like, oh, you're going to break the whole house before the night is through. And Arthur's like, look, it just needs a new light bulb. Do you have one somewhere? So Dan, of course, is looking in the utility room for a light bulb. He's like, will you stop playing with that thing? And Arthur's like, I'm not. And Dan's like, what do you mean you're not? And of course, Arthur holds up like, I'm not doing anything. See? It's in my hand. <coughs> so of course, all of a sudden, the counter starts shaking. And all the dishes in the dish rack on the counter are shaking. You hear the siren go off. Dan's like, alright, I gotta go get Ryan. I'll be right back. Of course, as soon as he gets up there, the siren stops again. It's like, make up your damn mind, siren. What are you doing? Is there a tornado or is there not a tornado? And of course, Arthur's like, I gotta get to my sisters. I gotta make sure they're okay. And it's like, no, you can't because the tornado is here. Do you not hear that? It means it's upon us. You're not going out there. And I like how Dan is forceful. It's like, no, it's not safe for you. You Basically, you're going to die if you go out there. Like, clearly, your sisters are fine. They can take care of themselves, most likely. They're taking precautions as well. But then again, they're also from California. So they probably don't know the precautions you have to take with tornadoes. Now, I've never been in a tornado, but... I've lived in the state long enough that there have been tornado watches, tornado warnings. And when I lived out, grew up out in the country, I'd have to sit in the basement. And, yeah. It stopped! Yeah, guess they changed their minds, huh? Uh, uh. Stop falling. That's weird. Uh. Maybe the weather signals just got crossed or something. Yeah. It can happen. I, I read this whole book once where a, a whole fleet of ships were sent out to sea, right? And uh, there were all kinds of hurricane warnings, but uh, hurricanes never came. Yeah, well, you, mister. You were going back to sleep. Here we go. Flying. Go. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. So the house starts to shake. Dan runs upstairs to get Ryan, and Arthur, of course, like, I'm going to go to the TV and see if I can get their weather channel to see what's on. And apparently, yeah. The channel is out. We also see some of the effects outside. We see the wind is so strong that it's pulling up the shingles on the roof. Dan goes into Ryan's room and all of a sudden the siren just cuts off. And I get it. He's frustrated. It's like, siren, can you please make up your mind? What are we doing here? Every single time he runs up there to get Ryan, the siren cuts off. And mainly it's just really, really rainy. 
and the wind is blowing a lot. I can understand, you know, Dan's frustration. He keeps going into action mode. Like, okay, we got to do this. I got to get Ryan. And every time he goes up those stairs, it's like, come on. I'm getting kind of tired of running up these stairs. So Arthur runs up the steps as Dan is coming down them and says, Dan, I was trying to get the weather channel. And then the whole thing just went blank. And we just see like News 12 weather bulletin. Basically telling you, you need to take shelter now. We get a close-up shot on the TV and we see tornado tornado warning and all red capital letters just, you know, blinking on the screen. It's like, you need to be in shelter right now. Like, you shouldn't even be watching the screen. You should be in your basement, in the bathtub, somewhere that you can take shelter. Meanwhile, like, Dan is holding on to the banister of the stairs. And you're seeing it, like, shaking. And then you're also seeing the t- water in the toilet being sucked out that hole in that little uh, pipe in the roof or whatever and the kids are like putting their hands on their ears like it's all that like pressure build up and everything and it's just like oh my gosh this movie did a really good job it really really did with you know the special effects and just reenacting um what it be like in a tornado and especially for kids without the parents around so now they gotta take charge and take responsibility. So Dan loses his balance on the stairs and falls down the stairs, lands on the floor. And of course, Arthur's like, Dan, Dan, I gotta go home. I gotta check on my sisters. And of course, Dan grabs Arthur, who's like trying to crawl out the door practically. He's like, No, no, you can't go out there. It's here. Do you not hear that? The tornado is here. You're not going out there. So I'm gonna play this clip. Alright, actually, before I play the clip, it is very, very visual. You're going to hear a lot of sounds, a lot of yelling. And I want to actually describe to you what is happening in the scene. So that way, when you hear the clip, you'll be like, okay, I know what's going on now. So Dan has to get very forceful forceful with Arthur. As he's grabbing him by his jacket and just like, look, you are not going anywhere, okay? You're staying right here. You can't go out there. The tornado is here. All right, all right. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, Arthur? And, of course, Arthur's like, okay, okay. And we do see the electricity gets knocked out. Of course, now they're in the dark, and Dan still has to go upstairs to get Ryan. Meanwhile, all the house is shaking. Things are being, you know, the windows, windows, if they've, I thought they were open. Maybe they might have closed them because we do hear breaking glass. So Dan puts Arthur to work. Like, okay, grab this lamp. Grab this blanket. We're going downstairs. I need to go get Ryan. You head downstairs. I'll meet you down there. I mean, you hear that wind blowing through the house. And you see pictures on the wall just shaking. I'm surprised they're still on the wall at this point. So Dan goes into Ryan's room. Of course, the crib has been knocked over. And he does find baby Ryan in a pile of blankets nearby, which is good. He's unharmed. Of course, he's crying. He's scared. And the one thing that is really, really spooky is when we see the window, that tornado is very visible. I swear I've had dreams probably 
maybe since I've been covering this movie, of looking out a window and seeing a tornado there and just that instant fear, like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. You know, it's just like, ugh. Yeah, that window is open, and you just see these, like, toys and just, you know, things that are on the walls just hitting Dan, and he's trying, it's almost like he's trying to get through an obstacle course, because, you know, w- between the wind and things, like, hitting him in the face, he's just, he's trying to find Ryan. And when the lightning outside kind of lighting up the sky, you do see that tornado is not very... Faro, it's pretty dang close. And Dan, of course, is by that window and immediately feels that suction just kind of pulling at him. And it's just like, oh. Luckily, I mean, he's got the flashlight, so he's shining it on the ground. He finds Ryan and grabs him up in a blanket. And he's already trying to get to the door. But mind you, this tornado's outside and all that suction and wind and everything is creating. It starts pulling like parts of the house so what you see like parts of that room just are gone and it's just like it's it's scary it's like oh my this house is pretty much going to be taken down and he is you know trying to get down the stairs and even at one point when he's on the stairs it's like that suction again is like pushing him like pulling him up against it's almost like being on that ride the gravitron with that magneticness it's just like holding him up against the wall of the stairs he's just trying to get down and he's just like oh my gosh arthur comes up the stairs with the lamp like dan dan where are you and we see like i said dan is like stuck to the wall as the wall is being pulled away from the house with the suction of the tornado that is really spooky so they have a fully furnished basement it's almost like a rec room which um they also he's got a ping pong table which we'll see all this stuff in that basement just swirling around and i get they even have a bathroom down there which is where dan baby ryan and arthur hide is in that bathroom in that bathtub so Arthur still has the itchy feet. He wants to get out there. He's like, look, I gotta check on my sisters. I gotta make sure they're okay. And Dan is like, no, Arthur, sit. Okay? The tornado is here. You can't go out there. Do you not hear that? So while they're downstairs and things are falling on them, uh, we go up to the kitchen and we see the kitchen is basically being demolished. We see a chair scraping across the floor. And of course, Arthur thinks that Dan's mom is home. He's like, hey, Mrs. Hatch, we're down here. And Dan is like, no, that's not my mom. That's not my mom. Now we, hear, we see pots and pans on uh, the ones that are usually placed on that thing that's kind of suspended in the air. You know, um, canisters, uh, ceramic canisters of sugar and salt and all that stuff are being, just everything that's on walls is being broken and tipped onto the floor. It's, it's, uh, it, this house is not going to be anything once this tornado is done with it. I think this is where Dan takes Arthur and baby Ryan's like, we need to get into the shower here, into the the tub where we'll be safe. Isn't that one of the things they say? Like, a closet 
the bathtub, some place that doesn't have windows. My place of employment does have a place to go for tornadoes. It's a bathroom. But think about it. You're putting a lot of people in one very small, crowded space. Not to mention there's a big old mirror right above the sink. Yeah. But anyway, that's just, I feel what they're feeling, that scary feeling. I mean, Arthur's like, we're going to die. We're going to die. And it's just that scary feeling. You don't know. But that's why um, Dan is like, hey, put that blanket over us. That's why he's like, bring the blanket. So that, because he knew, you know, if we're in the shower, that glass, that glass is going to break. And it's going to break on us. So as long as we hopefully have this blanket on us, hopefully that will protect us from, you know, getting cut. Now we see the basement being demolished. You know, that ping pong table is being turned around. Eventually, I think it's going to be shoved up against a wall. We see books on a bookshelf being tossed around and just papers strewn around. It's, it's, the tornado is not just attacking the top level. It's attacking the basement as well. The tornado's main mission is just to take this house and just, like, it's gonna be leveled and rubble. And you hear Daniel praying to God, like, God bless my mom and my dad and my aunt and my brother. He left his grandma out, but oh well. Um, but, Kalaria, I mean, you can tell the baby looks absolutely fine, because, you know, this is a movie they're acting. And all that sound effect stuff, of course, probably would have been added in later. So they're just sitting in a room being filmed and the baby's just absolutely fine. If this were going on, that baby would be screaming, crying its head off. So I'm going to play the clip. I knew your dad was a jock. I didn't know he was like Steve Young or something. So uh, why didn't he make it to the pros? <sighs> he blew out his knee in spring practice in his senior year. I guess he figures, because you're a son and all, should be better at sports, huh? You ask a lot of questions, don't you? Can't find stuff out otherwise. Wow. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. Getting pretty close, man. It's Twister in him! It's Twister! Ah! Aw, <laughs> oh, man. Don't worry, it's not you're broken. Gonna, you're gonna wreck new... the whole house before the night is over. It just needs a new light bulb. Do you have one or somewhere, anywhere? Okay, there's gotta be some bulbs in here somewhere. You stop playing with that thing? I'm not. What do you mean you're not?
So now we come back from commercial. We see that the house hasn't necessarily been leveled, but there's not much left of the house. Except for the bottom level is still standing. Now, of course, the boys, now that the tornado is gone, the boys figure, okay, we need to get out of here because it's not safe. And they manage to find a hole up above leading to the outside that they can crawl through. So Dan, the first thing he says is like, we're alive. Now they're kind of taking stock of what's going on before they actually find that hole to crawl out get out of the house. We see that the house isn't going to be holding up much longer. See exposed beams. It seems like it's going to crumble any minute and they need to get out of there. So first, they think that they're trapped and they do find, like I said, they find a hole to climb through. And Dan's like, the only thing is though we're going to have to climb to get up to the hole to be able to get out of here. And you just hear like the groaning of what's left of the house is ready to collapse on itself. So they really don't have a lot of time to be uh, hemming and hawing about. It's like you need to take action fast. I like that through all of this so far, Dan has really stepped up and he's really committed because you would, you, you mostly, I mean, if you want to survive and you want to live, that fight or flight instinct is going to be instilled in you. Like that urge, that fight to keep going and, you know, to live. And, you know, it's not just him. It's his friend and and his baby brother. He's got to look out for his baby brother, too. Arthur climbs out first, and then he takes baby Ryan and then helps Dan out. And now that they're outside, they really take a look at just how much damage there is. You guys know there is no saving this house. But think about it. Think about that feeling inside of just seeing everything everything gone just gone i mean yes yeah, some things are replaceable but there are things that aren't replaceable but i mean thank goodness it's they got out with their lives and everything but just it's it's sad it's just it's, what once was your home your safe space has been demolished to, to nothing So, of course, eventually Dan realizes, like, we can't stay here. What if another one comes? We need to be on... Granted, it's pitch black out. The only thing they have is the moon. And that, of course, with the clouds, isn't going to provide a whole lot of natural light. So, they're basically walking around in darkness. They still have the flashlights, which is good. But eventually, you know, flashlights run on batteries. The battery eventually is going to wear out. But I'm going to play this clip as they get out of the basement and outside and they kind of look at the damage that has been done and it's it's devastating guys it's devastating i can't even imagine i can't even begin to think how i mean i would feel just i have no words i have no words i know it's a movie but honestly this stuff Tornadoes happen all the time. People die and and their houses just 
obliterate to nothing and people just have to start over and pick up the pieces and it's just it's so heartbreaking but here's a clip There's gotta be another way out of here somehow. Like... There's a hole. Where? We have to climb. She's gonna fall right okay. in, and Go we on. gotta get Stop. out of here! But now! It's okay. It's okay. Hey, here! All right. Hand me the hit. Come on. All right, Ryan. It's all right, buddy. Let me up. Let me up. Come on. Up. Oh. You got him? No, yeah. Yeah, I got him. Okay. Oh. All right, man. You gotta hurry, okay? Hurry, hurry. hurry. love how comforting Dan is to baby Ryan. He's like, it's okay, it's okay, you did good, buddy. You're a climber. He's just, just calming his baby brother and everything. Arthur's like, come on, we gotta go. I, I, I want to find my sisters. So now they're on a mission to find Arthur's sisters and kind of see kind of what the rest of the town, what's going on. Maybe even to find help, shelter, something. But then again... This story is kind of divided into three different things. We got Dan, Ryan, and Arthur, and then eventually get with uh, Stacy and I think Sarah, Arthur's sisters. But we also have, 
you know, um, Laura and, and Jenny that are, um, we find that they're going to be, well, I don't want to spoil it. Um, they're going to be all right, just to tell you that. And, of course, we have another issue, like, when, remember, Jack went to go check on his mom. So, it's like, we got to find out what's going on with that situation as well, so. So, we go back to the Salty Dog restaurant where Laura and Jen have taken cover. They're listening to the radio. Laura finds out that a tornado just struck right around where her home is. She, of course, desperately, she she gets like, I gotta get to Jack and my boys. I gotta check on my boys. And Jen's like, Laura, look, you know as well as I do that Jack has everything under control, okay? You go out there, you're gonna get yourself killed. Now we're gonna jump back to Dan, Arthur, and Ryan while they're searching for Sarah and... Um, Stacy. So as Dan, Ryan, and Arthur are walking, you just see like the piles of rubble of houses, you know, fires, electrical wires, just a pure devastation as they're walking along. So yes, they find Sarah and Stacy. They're okay. They're just shooken up, which is understandable. And... Stacy said, I thought we were going to die. And just Sarah immediately going to Arthur. And they're just hugging. And it's just like, okay. Now, Dan's like, all right, here's what we got to do. We got to go into town, look for shelter. There's got to be some place that we can go to where survivors are going for help, you know, to locate other family members, medical, all that stuff. So Stacy comments on how dark it is outside. Dan's like, look, town's two miles away. We should be able to make it there. Arthur's worried, like, what if it starts again? And Dan says, that's why we got to hurry. So, of course, Arthur being a big brother, it's like, come on, Sarah, get on my back. I'll carry you. So as they're walking, Dan's kind of saying, you know, just think about how a couple hours ago, we were, Arthur and I had broken a lamp and we were worried. And, of course, Dan notices the town area's got searchlights. You hear sirens. So, they see those searchlights? That's where we need to be headed. So, they happen upon a guy who's just sitting on something. Turns out he's dead. And he was the banker that... Jack had talked to at the beginning of the movie about, you know, wanting to get, he wanted to get a loan from the bank for a store. And they see that his car is still there, that the keys are in it. And like, okay, well, we need to get to town. We may as well, you know, take his car since he won't be using it. Um, of course, Stacy's like, I can't drive. I don't know whether she doesn't have a license, she doesn't have a permit, I don't know. But Dan's like, don't worry, I can drive, so. And of course, they're a little freaked out because it's like, uh, and it's like, uh, never seen a dead body before. While they're getting into the car, it's like, well, none of us have, Arthur, this is the first time for all of us. So, they're gonna head to town. I'm gonna play that clip. We apologize for the interruption in transmission. Five minutes ago, a twister ripped through the Capitol Heights area of Blaine, causing widespread devastation. Settle down, honey. You know as well as I do. Jack's got everything under control. I gotta get home to my boys. You go out there. You'll get yourself killed. Jack's taking care of them. We'll be together as soon as he can. It's all right. Hey, 
Stacy. Me too. I'm so scared. Okay. We should get to town. They probably have an emergency center and there's bound to be some sort of communication system, right? Right? It's so dark outside. Yeah, well, I mean, it's only two miles down the road. Let's go. What if it starts again? That's why we should hurry. I'm scared. Come on. Come on, I'll carry you on my back. Just think. Not too long ago, me and Arthur were back at the house, and we had broken a lamp, and we were all worried about it. Huh? I'm fine now. You see those searchlights down there? Yeah. That's where we need to go. Car. I can't drive. I'll drive. Come on. Come on, Ronnie. Go, come on, guys. Come on, guys, come on. I've never seen a dead body. None of us have, Arthur. Well, I forgot to mention that at first Dan thinks it's his dad. Turns out it's uh, the guy from the bank. The only reason he thinks it's his father is because the guy is wearing the same jacket. Probably like, um, maybe that guy played football too and they're both wearing the same type of uh, jacket. I don't know. It turns out it's not. It's Mr. I think Roth from the bank. And like I said, Dan's like, hey, we can take his car. We can get to town faster. So the kids, they all pile in and they head, start heading to town. So in town, we see there is a bus that are, is bringing survivors to the shelter. We see Jen and Laura get off. And of course, she's looking for her boys, Jack and her boys. And when she doesn't see them, she starts to cry thinking that they're dead. And it's like, no, no, no. It's going to be okay. This is so sad and heartbreaking. I mean, Laura looks around, sees all this, you know, displaced people, injured, people with pets, children, you know, getting medical attention. And she's just hoping, like praying to God that they're here. And they're not. She's like, they're not here. And she starts to cry and... As she said, it's like, clearly she thinks, like, well, if they're not here, then where are they? 
So just that realization, and Laura just sinks to the floor. Jenny right away is like, hey, 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 don't do that, right? It's going to be all right. She's like, the hatchmen, they're tough. It's going to be okay. Who do we see? Bob, the weather guy. He hands Jenny a tissue for Laura and everything. Now we're going to cut back to the kids who are driving into town. Of course, they're going to get stopped by... um, you know, firefighter workers, uh, emergency crews just saying like, hey, you kids really should not be out driving. It's too dangerous. So I'm going to play that clip. Because what's going to happen is they're going to take, you know, Arthur, Sarah, and Dan has Arthur take Ryan. Because it's like, we got to also check on, you know, he's got to find his dad. and You know, check on his grandma. That's where his dad was headed. So... All right. The road to Grandma's house is blocked. Have you seen my dad? No, sorry. He went down the road to get my grandma. I gotta get through, all right? Yeah. You can't. There's broken gas lines all over the place. Well, he could be hurt. I mean, he could be dying. I gotta... Look, your dad's probably at the emergency center in town with your grandma now. Why don't you kids just get out of the car? We'll have someone take you into town, all right? You shouldn't be driving anyway. Come on. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. What are you gonna do? Come take Ryan with you. Okay, I just don't understand. Just Look, get out of the car. Just get out of the car. Come on. Everything's going to be just fine. Get out, please. No, I'm going to stay with you, all right? Dan! Don't you dare! I mean it, Dan! Come back here! Tell me how to drive. Look, I'm not telling you how to drive. I'm just trying then to stop be helpful. Stop my ear and closing your eyes because it's not exactly helpful. Okay? Sorry. Do you think we're going to get in trouble for going through that roadblock? Doesn't matter now.
Are you okay? Mrs. Hatch, you're bleeding. I hope the animals are still alive. Come on, get these boards off. Grab that. Okay, we're gonna pull you out. All right. All right. Oh, thank you. Here we go. Oh. Oh. Come on up. We go. Oh, oh, kids. Oh, thank you. What are you oh. doing out there, huh? Look, it was the animals. That I was taking them out. They were so uh, scared. Listen, listen to me. What? Did you see my dad? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Oh my God. Oh. Oh my. Oh. Um, um, I think she's going into shock. Hey, whoa, come on, come on, come on. Hey, listen. Come on. What? All right? Yeah. We're going to go back to the car, okay? All okay? Right. All right. You grab my hand. Yeah. All right, stay with me, okay? Oh, Here we go. Come it's on. all right. Yeah. It's okay, I got you. All right, so let's go back. Dan realizes that the road to get to his grandma's house to check on his grandma and his dad is blocked, and... Uh, Apparently, there's a lot of down power lines, other things like that. And I swear, this sheriff's voice sounds so familiar. Was he the one who was doing... He must have been the one that was doing the giveaway for the the bike raffle thing at the beginning of the movie. I thought his voice sounded familiar. So he asked the guy, like, hey, have you seen my dad? And the guy's like, no, I haven't. I haven't seen your dad. And... Dan's like, well, I gotta get through, okay? I mean, he was on my way to... Uh, see if my grandma was alright and the guy said well you can't because there's broken gas lines all over the place because if you look past those uh, roadblocks you'll see there's like little fires along the side Dan of course is panicked like my dad could be hurt he could be dying I have to get to him and the guy's like look more likely your dad and grandma are at the emergency center with all the other survivors so why don't you get out of the car and we'll have someone take you down there so Dan has Arthur take Ryan and um, Sarah, and then of course Dan turns to Stacy like, "Please get out of the car," and she's like, "No, I want to stay with you." And he goes right through that robot block there, and the guy's like, "No, Dan, don't you dare!" I'm like, eh, "No, he's going to. He's got to check on his dad, who he thinks is at his grandma's house." Of course, on the way, he doesn't see it, but we see. That Jack is pinned underneath his truck. That is not good. Because he's like, hey, help, help. So I gotta kind of wonder, why did Stacy choose to stay with Dan? I don't know. Maybe she felt safe with him. Maybe she felt, you know, Arthur can take care of, you know, Sarah. And I want to, you know, help Dan in case there's a problem. He needs an extra... You know, set of hands or whatever. So, so of course, Stacy starts yelling at Dan to slow down. It's like, because there's debris all over the road. And she's like, will you slow down? He's like, will you stop telling me how to drive? Because closing your eyes and sh shouting in my ear is not exactly helpful. It's like, ugh. And, of course, we know she's from Canada because she's like, sorry. I can't believe she's worried. Like, do you think we'll get in trouble for going through the roadblock? And Dan's like, does it matter now? We got more important things to worry about. So they pull into the driveway immediately. That her house is still standing. Well, the house is still standing. 
and they hear her cries from over by her barn. I guess, I didn't know that she had a barn with animals in it when we first uh, saw her house. But she's covered by some boards. She's got a cut on her head. And she's just like, I'm over here, I'm over here. And both, you know, Dan and Stacy are able to get her free of, you know, the debris and the boards and everything. Immediately, Dan is asking, like, hey, have you seen my dad? And she clearly, Stacy's like, I think she's going into shock. Because she's like, I was checking on the animals. I was trying to get them free. They were so scared. And she's starting to go into shock because she, like, lays her head down on uh, Stacy's shoulder. Um, Dan's grandma does. And it's like, no, no, I haven't seen your dad. She's very... Her speech is slurred and everything, confused, and it's like, well, she's got a cut on her head. She needs to get that taken care of. Most likely, she's got a concussion as well, because when she takes a look at her barn... So I'm looking at the barn, just the front of it. There really isn't a lot of damage, at least done to the outside of it, just maybe a few boards missing. Other than that, the structure is still sound, it's still standing, but then again... Who knows, you go in there and it's probably a dilapidated mess. We don't know about the animals, we don't see the animals, they could be dead, they could have run off, we don't know. But they do get her in a car, and, you know, so that way they can take her to the shelter, because she clearly needs medical attention. So we have Bob, of course, we're back in the shelter. Bob is giving a report on... The damage, you know, the tornadoes, all that stuff. Apparently four separate tornadoes struck uh, Blainsworth. Of course the news guy wants to know, is the worst of it over? And of course Bob's like, I, there is too many things. And he's talking numbers and everything like that. And he's, there's really no way to know just yet if it's completely over. Because the building they're in starts to shake and everyone's like, oh, oh, like it's, they're, you know, everyone's shook. Any little bit of noise, any, you know, whether it's the wind hitting the building, they, everyone is shook by that tornado. So they think, you know, of course, immediately they're going to go into panic, panic mode and fear. So it even says like there's a five, like category five hurricane, uh, hurricane, um, tornado spotted as well so even says the whole kind of hemisphere area like the storm keeps moving from like northeast to southeast which he says he's never seen that before so these her these uh tornadoes they got a they got a mind of their own i guess apparently a tornado has never hit in 20 years in the fall it's very unusual with the weather and everything like that and the guy's just kind of looking for something that he can grab onto like, what can you at least confirm? And Bob's like, look, um, it's, behave, the tornado, the, the weather is behaving in a way that is very unpredictable. There's no way to really give you any so-called guarantees of whether it's over or whether it's just building up steam to hit us again, so... So, back to Dan and Stacy and Belle, that's um, Dan's grandma, and Dan's like, let's just kind of keep an eye out, you look out your window, I'll look out mine, more than likely maybe his truck blew off, because he's like, this is the only road available that we can take. And he's like, hey grandma, how you holding in back there? And she's like, I knew, she's kind of 
sounds a little like delirious confusion, but she's got this positive tone to her voice, kind of like um, almost childlike. But anyway, she's like, I knew this twister wasn't going to kill me. And Dan's all like, how do you know that? I mean, I thought it was going to kill all of us. So, Grandma tells a story of when she was a young girl, there was a really bad twister, and just seeing how her mom was holding her, and just screaming, and things were just, you know, knocking around them and everything, and she says, you know, she saw an angel, and she asked the angel, like, am I going, are you here to take me up to heaven? And the angel just smiled at her and said, oh, no, Belle. What she says, uh, the angel says something like, uh, a spring's something or other will come to take you away. And, um, she, I thought she said, like, Zephyr or something. I don't know what that is. But, and, you know, ever since, you know, when there was a twister that she just sees that angel smile and just, no, hears those words. And it's like, basically saying, it's, it's not your time yet, Belle. In the spring, I'll come for you. So I'm going to play that clip because it's just... I get Dan is like, well, clearly she's concussed. She's just kind of talking, just weird-like and everything. Because he ends up seeing his dad's truck on on the side of the road, and it's tipped on its side, and of course Jack is stuck underneath there. So I'm going to play that clip. You had to drive in this way. I mean, it's the only road. Keep your eyes off to the side. Maybe you blew off. Yeah. Hang in there, Grandma. I knew this twister wasn't going to kill me. How? I thought it was going to kill us all. When I was a girl, we had this terrible twister. Also, I remember... Is my mama holding me so tight and screaming and everything crashing around us all was like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then I saw an angel and I said to her, Angel, if you come here to take me up to heaven, she just smiled. She says, Oh, no, Belle. A spring zephyr will bring you up to heaven. And since then, when the twisters come, I just close my eyes and see that sweet smiling face and hear those words and all fears just go away. Up. Don't let her out, because I don't want her to see him right now. Right? Yeah. Dad? Danny? Dad! Oh, oh God. Oh, brother. Okay. Hey. What am I going to do? Your mom and Ryan, they're okay, right? Ryan's okay. Mom didn't make it back. Grandma's in the back seat. She got hit over the head. She's talking weird. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. Gotta get your 
grandma to the hospital. You gotta help me get out from underneath this truck. Okay. Stacy? Stacy, come here. Okay. I'm gonna push this, all right? Okay. Count of three, okay? Yeah. Okay, one, two, three. <laughs> push! Oh, Danny, stop. Sorry. Danny, stop. Sorry. Sorry. Bad idea. Sorry. Bad idea. Sorry. Okay, screw it up. It's okay, Danny. Come on, it's okay. Come on. It's all right. I want you to listen to me, son. You have to go get help. There's, there's a rope off down at the fort. All right, you can find some help there. Now go, go get some help. Yeah, it's all right. I don't need you. Go. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. All right. Look, we'll be back, all right? Okay. Okay. Okay, son. All right, so Dan sees his father's truck off to the side. He tells Stacy, look, if Grandma wakes up, just stay with her. Don't let her get out of the car because I don't want her to see him like this. And he goes out there. Of course, he sees Jack pinned underneath his truck, which is on its side. And, of course, I mean, he's a teenage boy. No way can a teenage boy lift. I mean, it looks like, oh, Simple, just push it back. But And he and Stacy try to do that, but... Jack's like, no, 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 bad idea, bad idea. Dan tells Jack that Grandma, you know, got hit in the head. She's talking kind of weird. And um, Ryan's fine, but their mom didn't make it back. She's kind of MIA at the moment. And Jack's like, all right, you got to get help. You got to get help for your grandma. You got to help me get out from under this truck. And Stacy's like, well, there's a roadblock up the road. We can... You know, get help there. It's like, all right, well, that's the plan. That's what they're going to do now. So Dan drives into by the roadblock and gets out of the car and says, hey, hey, my grandma needs help. And the guy, like, has a couple other um, emergency officials get her taken care of. Stacy's going to stay with Dan's grandma. Dan mentions how his dad is stuck under his truck. He's pinned under it and how just about a mile up the road. So, I don't even know what this guy's name is. <clears throat> the emergency official is probably a volunteer. Just says, all right, well, we will handle your dad, but you need to go into town. And Dan is really like, no, he's insistent. No, I'm coming with you, please, sir. And the guy's like, all right, all right. It's probably just as well anyway, so that way Dan can kind of show him right about where... I mean, he did say a mile up the road, but still. So we go back to the emergency center with Laura and Jenny. Laura is comforting a guy who has a dog there that the guy is comforting. And, of course, Jenny and Bob are talking. She's mentioning how, you know, Laura felt guilty for working, you know, leaving her two boys you know, home and everything like that, but of course, it's the 90s. What are you going to do? Times are tough. And Bob's like, well, my sister's a single mother. She's got three boys, so I know, I kind of know what she's going through. And uh, 
Jenny just wants to try to help Laura, like, make her feel better. And Bob's like, well, I can take her to her house. Kind of, you know, get her out there and see if, you know, her kids are alright. So we definitely sense a spark between Jenny and Bob as, you know, he says he's a meteorologist. Because he's like, well, I kind of get, get back to work anyway. You know, I can take you and Laura to her house if my car hasn't been blown away. And he's like, oh, well, what do you do? And she's like, I'm an insurance claims adjuster. Oh, they're going to be hit pretty quickly with a bunch of claims. <laughs> but you definitely sense a spark there. I mean, that, whatever that guy's name, I can't even remember what was that guy's name was in the beginning with the cowboy hat. That loser. But no, Bob is definitely one. He's got a steady job and... He's a caring guy, and if he's like, there is a spark, and we're gonna we're gonna learn more about that towards the end of the movie. So I don't want to spoil anything. All right, so now we're gonna jump back with Dan and the um, emergency crew helping free Jack, who's pinned underneath his truck. And of course, more than likely, he's got a dislocated shoulder. Because like, as they're pulling him out, he's like, oh, easy, easy, my shoulder. It's like, yeah, he probably has a dislocated shoulder. But then again, I'm not a doctor, but that would be my guess. So after Jack is freed, he pretty he goes up to Dan and just kind of claps him on the shoulder like, thanks, Danny, thanks. And that's pretty much it as he walks away with the emergency officials. And it's like, all right, Danny, come on, let's go. We got to go find your mom and Ryan. Now we're going to cut back to Bob, Jenny, and Laura as he is taking Laura to her house. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. That hasn't happened yet. Actually, what we're seeing is Jack and Dan and the uh, emergency officials. He's taking them to the shelter, emergency shelter. So Jack convinces the emergency official to go to the salty dog where Laura works, see if she's there, and turns out that she's not. The place has been demolished. <laughs> and Dan, of course, is upset. I mean, he thinks, like, oh no, my mom was here, and there's an X on the door saying that they've been rescued, but the... Emergency official also says, like, they take the ones that don't make it, I guess, to the morgue or something. And Dan, of course, is upset. The idea that his mom could be dead, I mean. But Jack is like, no, Dan, we're going to find your mom, okay? It's going to be okay. I like Jack here. It's like, we're going to find mom, okay? She's going to be okay. And he just takes Danny in his arms. And he, Dan just, I can imagine, like, all of this is so much has happened in this point of time from the tornado and them getting out of the house and just everything and just you know rescuing his grandma and you think like all that adrenaline and everything that he's used up has finally hit him and just thinking after all this the idea that his mother could be dead has got to be devastating for this kid and he just starts crying on his you know jack's shoulder and you just you feel for him it's like oh man okay we go back to the community center jen says laura this man here will take you to your house 
turns out she does recognize him. Like, you look familiar. Why is that? And he's like, oh, about two hours ago you were pouring me a cu- cup of coffee. And they get ready to go, and all of a sudden, um, a police officer like, guys, there's a tornado, everybody take cover, and luckily it's kind of a hit and miss. It's just, uh, it's there, and then it's gone, not really any huge structural damage, just kind of scaring every, everyone's already scared as it is, so this isn't helping matters. All right, emergency command center, that is where Dan and Jack are going. Of course, that's where Arthur and Sarah and, uh, Arthur and Sarah and baby Ryan are there. Yeah, we see, uh, the emergency officials help, uh, put Jack's shoulder in place. Yeah, uh, that can't be good. Oh, it turns out Sarah is there with Ryan and Arthur, or, or Stacy's there with Ryan and... Sarah and Arthur. Alright. Of course, they let him know that they took his grandmother to a hospital. And pretty much, you know, he's like, has there been any word on my mom? And Stacy's like, you know, it's so crazy around here. Nobody really knows anything. So. <laughs> of course, Arthur's like, oh, that was pretty cool how you busted through that barricade. <laughs> You're pretty brave. And of course, uh, Dan's like, oh, I wouldn't call it bra- it was bravery. It was more like uh, desperation, really. And of course, uh, Stacy's like, oh, don't be so modest, Dan. That was really great of you. Oh, sweet. Of course, there's another argument between Dan and Jack. He's like, look, I'm going to look for your mom. I think you should stay here with Ryan. And, and Dan's like, well, Stacy can watch Ryan. I think I should go. And it's like, no, I don't have time to argue with you. And he's like, Dan, I gave you an order. I expect you to obey it. And of course, Dan's like, look, she's my mother. What do you think? It's just like, Ugh. So now we go back to Laura and Jen, and they're kind of looking over a map, kind of seeing where, how they should, what's the best route to take to get to her house. And of course, here comes in Belle on a stretcher. And you know that right away Laura's going to be bombarding her with questions like, have you seen Jack? Have you seen Dan? My boys, where are they? And she's got a concussion. She is so confused. It's like she really can't be answering questions right now. So Bob tells Jen and Laura that the car's ready to go. We cut back to Danny and the kids. And Arthur's like freaked out. Like, what if it starts again? And, of, of course, Stacy's like, Arthur, you need to stop. You're scaring your sister. And, of course, Stacy's holding on to Ryan, too. So it's like, and poor Sarah's like, gosh, I don't, I'm, clearly she'd rather have a California earthquake. You know, I'd rather be sucked into the ground than up into the sky. Of course, we got to remember that Stacy, Sarah, and Arthur's, parents are they were on the lake i don't know how far away so hopefully they're okay whether we learn i'm sure they're fine and arthur's like see talking about it makes me feel better and stacy's arguing with him like well it makes me feel worse can, can you just not of course we have dan remember how he was playing his harmonica he brings that back so we see 
Sarah, you know, bedding down with baby Ryan. We see Arthur also trying to get some sleep. And Stacy's going to go and, and talk to Dan. We do get a little bit of a backstory. We learn that Jack is Dan's stepfather. We get a, a little history about Dan's biological father. So I'm going to play that clip. If you uh, still want to, the car's okay and it's ready to go. Absolutely. What if it's not over? What if it starts again? You're scaring her, Arthur. Give me a California earthquake any day. I'd rather fall down into the earth than be sucked up into the sky. Well, maybe I'm scared too, but maybe talking about it makes me feel better. Well, maybe it makes me feel worse. I want my mom and dad. I can't get here right now, Arthur. When will they be here? As soon as they can. Thank you. Where'd you learn to play like that? My dad. Really? He doesn't seem the type. <laughs> He's not. Jack Hatch isn't my real dad. He isn't? No, I, uh... Look, you're the first person I've ever told this, but, um... My real dad? He died when I was six. See, he liked to fly these small planes, and one time he, um, he never came back. That's awful. Yeah. His name was Daniel. He played in a band at the University of Nebraska. He played the flute. The flute. He wasn't a quarterback. Jack was the quarterback. Jack just wants me to be an athlete, but I'm not going to be an athlete. So to him, just a big disappointment. Just a piece of baggage. That's why they had Ryan. You don't know that. You know, sometimes I think it'd be better if I was on that plane. Don't say that. No, it's true. I mean, I think it'd be better that I died with a father that loves me than be stuck with a father who pretends to care about me, you know? Well, do you like him? I guess so. Why? Why? 
Well, he's, um, he works hard. He's, he's good to my mom. He can be funny at times. Does he know you like him? I don't know. Well, maybe you both like each other more than you think. But neither of you know it. So Stacy comes over and commends Dan on his beautiful harmonica playing. And she's like, where did you learn that from? Your dad? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, he doesn't really seem the type. And he's like, well, no, I actually... Um, Jack Hatch isn't my real dad. So he confides in Stacy that she is the first person he's told this to. That his real father died when he was six. He died in a... He, like to fly small planes and he went out one day and he never came back. So his father played in a band at the University of Nebraska. He played the flute. His name was Daniel. So of course that's who Dan was named after. So he's always like, my dad wasn't a quarterback. Jack's the quarterback. But for whatever reason, he wants me to be an athlete. And he's like, I'm not going to be an athlete. So to Jack, I'm just this big disappointment. And he even refers to himself as a piece of baggage. And he's like, well, that's why they had Ryan. It's like, you don't know that. Ryan could have been a girl. And then what? So this is sad. As Dan's like, you know, sometimes I wish I was on that plane. You know, I think it would be better to die with a father who loved me than to be stuck with one who pretends to care about me. And Stacy's like, trying to get to him in a way like, you know, do you like him? And Dan's like, yeah. And Stacy's like, well, why do you like him? And he's just kind of like lost for words. Like, I don't know. I mean, he's good to my mom and, you know, he works hard. This is a really intimate scene between Stacy and Dan. I think she's seeing something in Dan having spent this time with him. She's seeing, like, a soft side to him because he just, he seems like he's always, Dan's always irritated or he's quick to anger and, you know, stuff like that. But she's seeing a side to him that she really, really cares for. And she likes his take charge attitude. And she's like, well, does he know that you like him? And Dan's like, I don't know. And she takes Dan's hands and says, I think... Maybe you both like each other more than you think. So this was a sweet moment between the two of them. So at the emergency, excuse me, the emergency shelter, the power actually comes on. Jack's looking for a car for him to be able to use so he can go out and look for Laura. Dan, of course, pretends to be asleep. He overhears this. He grabs Ryan, and we see Jack driving, and then he hears this noise, probably from baby Ryan. And then he sees Dan and Ryan. They're like, what are you doing here? I told you to stay back at the shelter. It's like, no, she's my mom. We're coming with you. Well, they're, he's, they're already with him, so what's he going to do? Turn around and take him back? I don't think so. Time is of the essence, everybody. So Bob takes... Laura and Jen to Laura's house to see for Jack, Danny, and Ryan. Because this whole time she's probably thought, well, that's where they're, they gotta be. 
And turns out they're not there. And she sees the house demolish. And it's just, it's sad. But now we're going to cut back to Jack discovering Dan and Ryan have stowed away in the backseat. So Jack's like, I thought I told you to stay, you know, back at the shelter. And Dan's like, look, family stick together, okay? I'm coming with you to look for mom. Family stick together, right? Like, right. Can't argue with that. You can't argue with that at all. So they head to the house, and of course, Bob, Laura, and Jen are there, and it's a happy reunion, and I'm going to play this clip because it's just so sweet. Danny, what are you doing in here? Coming with you. Listen, I told you to I'm stay back. I'm to look for mom. Family stick together, right? Right? I'm coming with you to look for mom. For us. At least they're alive. Come on, boys. Let's go find your mom. They're not down there. to think like oh what's your name he's like oh bob iverson and um <laughs> like i said it's, it's the sweet reunion is very short because unfortunately there's another twister headed right for them and bob's like unfortunately there's really nowhere to take shelter or to take cover so we're gonna have to get in the cars and make a run for it so, of course, they're driving. We see what used to be houses that are now reduced to rubble. And, of course, Jack's like, come on, Bob, get your... Because Bob's ahead of them. It's like, come on, get your truck moving. And there's someone else behind Jack and 
the family. And it's like, who, and the, other than them, who else would be out right now in all of this? And she's like, who's that in that car? And I, get, I think Laura said, like, the Stedmans. And she rolls out her window, like, come on, come on. Unfortunately, the Stedmans, if that's their name, they get picked up by the tornado. It's like, shoot. The thing is, like, bearing, this, tor- this twister is bearing down on them. And you see off to the side, there are, like, more than just one twister. There's, like, two on the side, one behind them. Then I don't know if there's, like, one at the center or to the right of them. And Danny's like, come on, Dad, get this thing moving. And the car is being hit. I don't know whether that was a trash can or what it was. But then it's hit by this big branch, which goes through the windshield and kind of knocks Jack out in the driver's seat. Now, he's knocked out. His foot's on the accelerator. And now Danny, who's in the back, has to grab the steering wheel and try to steer around, you know, in the road, trying not to hit things. Granted, yes, it's looked very unrealistic and nonsensical. But anyway, I mean, it's scary. I'm mean, thinking about it. You're driving and the tornado's like right on your butt. Because Danny's trying to get up into the front seat to take over for Jack, who's, you know, knocked out from that big giant tree log hitting him right in the face. And you got Laura, who's holding on to baby Ryan, Ryan in the passenger seat, and she's got her hand on the wheel trying to maneuver it while Jack's foot is on the accelerator. It's like, move your foot! And Danny the whole time, like, trying to, like, Dad, wake up! Dad, wake up! Come on! Come on! And what did you see? They're driving through town. It's nighttime, and you just see this destruction. You know, things like a gazebo in town just completely collapses. Oh my gosh. Jack finally comes to is like, we have to get to the overpass, son. And Dan's like, okay, okay. Because it looks like Bob and Jen have already made it there. And like, come on, come on, come on. But their back window has blown out on the car. And then Dan's doing all he can not to get sucked out that back window. Because they're in a station wagon. One of those old ones that's got like the back long window on it. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, anything that could happen is happening. You do see a couple other cars and a fire truck under that overpass, and that fire truck is where uh, Bob and Jen take cover. The tornado busts out that back window, and Dan, who's, like, hovering over the driver's side as he was trying to help with the steering and everything, he's getting sucked backward like that suction is just pulling at him. And you see Jack is barely hanging on to Danny's hand and trying to drive at the same time. He's like got him by his thumb. And of course Laura can't do anything because she's holding on to baby Ryan. And it's like, oh, and he's like, dad, dad, dad. And it's just like, oh my gosh, just all the screaming and everything, like you hear in the clip and everything's, my gosh. Yes, I get it, it's real, unrealistic, but still, it's like, wow. And just like that, their tornado stops, and they all, like, huddle in the car, and they're holding on to each other, like, thank God we're still here, we're still alive. So it looks like the tornado's over as Jen and Bob crawl out from underneath their fire truck. Um, uh, emergency official has a blanket for Dan. And, of course, Jack is also checking on Laura and Ryan, and everyone's good. This is so sweet, as Jack puts a hand on Dan's shoulder and says, I'm proud of you, Danny. You know, you didn't quit, you didn't give up, you hung in there. He says, I'm real proud of you. And I love how Dan kind of folds into uh, Jack's, you know, arm like that and just you know for a hug and it just it's so sweet honestly 
I think those are the words that Dan was wanting to hear from Jack. That Dan, in a way, I guess, in Jack's eyes, proved himself. So Jack, you know, his arm around Dan and Laura with holding baby Ryan. It's just like, come on, let's get out of here. And you just hear that tune, like, everything's going to be okay now. And you see Bob and Jen, and Jen is just kind of rubbing her nose into Bob's chest. Like, this is a love connection, guys. <laughs> that quickly it happened, and that spark just grew. <laughs> so we get Jack's um, overview. So then the whole ordeal, the whole event lasted over three hours since the first tornado hit. Fifteen, guys. Fifteen tornadoes struck down in that town that night over the course of three and a half hours. Wow, that is, I've never heard of that. So he says there were five dead. There were, what do you say, 1,200 homeless and quite a few, at least a dozen or more injured. A lot of people injured. And Jack says that the next day, the citizens of Blainsworth dusted themselves off and got to work on repairing their homes in the city. Because that's what a community does, everybody. They work together to rebuild after tragedies like that. Get that truck going. Who's that in that car? I think it's the Steppens.
made it. kind of what happens to the family in the next couple years. So, turns out, of course, the Twisters took Jack's store, but turns out he decided to become a football coach for the high school, and they won their first championship that next year. I told you! See, that is exactly what he should have done! Originally, he wouldn't have been in the hole with that store! That was, oh my, I'm so happy. So we get to see pictures of uh, their new house, well, inside of it. We see Dan with his harmonica on the couch. We see John, uh, I was going to call him John Snyder because I see after. We see Jack with a guitar and he's like singing. And then you see Laura with her fingers in her ears. And Dan kind of saying how mom's saving up to take him to France without the guitar. Which I think, didn't John Snyder have an album out or is it like a country album or something at one point you see a shot of danny and or dan and ryan and he's like ryan's a little heavier now he threw his first football today and i actually caught it ryan looks to be about maybe three maybe two i i say he looks around like three four years old so at least a few years have passed and the kid of course he has you know, dark hair, wearing a striped... Oh, it's so cute! Arthur was elected student council on account of getting better food in the cafeteria because you know how he loves to eat. You see a picture of Arthur, and it says uh, Darlington for president. And, of course, Dan's like, oh, Arthur's still waiting for his first date. But then he also mentions how he and Arthur don't really hang out as much anymore because now... Dan and Stacy are dating, so yeah. Aw, they went to like prom or I think it said like prom 96 or something like that. That's sweet. He also says how Bob's got new storms to figure out, especially with the twins that are due next year. He and Jenny, of course, got married and they settled in Blainsworth. And, of course, she couldn't be happier. And you see a picture of them on their wedding day. And she's just grinning ear to ear. She is so happy. So it looks like pretty much everybody's gotten their, you know, happily ever after. Everyone's getting their happy ending except for 
Um, Grandma Belle. Yeah. He says, uh, Dan says when spring came, Grandma Belle's Zephyr, uh, Zephyr arrived that, yeah, that spring. So what she was talking about in the car, you know, Dan thought she was delirious, but, uh, nah, it was, it was her time. It was her time. And it's sad. It's like, we miss her. We miss her a whole lot. We see a picture of their new home. It is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Log cabin looking. Uh, um, the, on the picture, there's a date scroll that says our new home, December 1997. So, yeah, it probably did take them a year to get it built and everything. And uh, Dan's just kind of narrating, saying how in one night, you know, everything can change in an instant. A tornado can come and rip up your house and leave your neighbor's neighbor's house completely untouched. And Dan says he just tries to live so that way he ha has no regrets in case another one hits. And, you know, you never know. And there's a artist rendering of a tornado in black and white, like a hand-drawing picture. And that's the movie, guys. I'll play the clip. And um, I wanted to do see if I can find a 10-star review from the movie and maybe even a 1-star just to see what someone says. So, yeah. And with that, then we'll conclude the movie. By the storm's end, some three hours after the first twister hit, half the town had been ravaged by anywhere from 10 to 15 tornadoes, leaving five dead, dozens injured, and 1,200 homeless. But starting the next day... The citizens of Blainsworth dusted themselves off, began the process of rebuilding. The Twisters took Dad's store, but it didn't take long for him to get back on his feet. He became coach of the high school football team, and they won their first championship the very next year. He's even taken up a few new hobbies, but he's not quite as good at them. Mom's saving up to take him to France without the guitar. Ryan's a little heavier now, and he threw his first football last week. Hey, I even caught it. Arthur was elected to the student council on a platform of better food in the school cafeteria. He's still waiting for his first date. I don't spend quite as much time as I used to with him. Because Stacy and I, well, you know. Bob's got new storms to figure out, like the twins that are due next year. He and Jenny have settled down here in Blainsworth, and well, <laughs> she's never been happier. When spring came, Grandma Belle Zephyr arrived, took us all by surprise. And we miss her. We miss her a lot. That night changed everybody's lives. And I think about it quite a bit. I mean, a tornado can hit the ground for only 30 seconds, rip up your house, and leave the neighbor's place completely untouched. I just try to live so I wouldn't have any regrets if another one hit. Because you just never know. And I guess that's the best way for it to be. Here's her first review. It's a 9 out of 10. This is pretty much like the highest I can find. It's entitled Shades of My Childhood. This was published on IMDb on September 30th, 2014. Warning, spoilers. 
I first saw this film when I was just a little kid, watching it on a November night in the mid-90s on what was formerly the Family Channel. It premiered as part of a Disaster Weekend double feature alongside Flood a River's Rampage. There are a lot of aspects that really show how much a TV movie this is, but I do have to give the special effects team extra credit here. For a low-budget TV movie, the effects used for Tornadoes weren't half bad for 1996. I've read several reviews from people complaining about how horrible their effects were. This was a limited TV movie, folks. Get real. The acting is surprisingly good as well. Devin Sawa and Dan... Or Dan... Devin Sawa and John Schneider have great chemistry together, and much of the dialogue and situations feel very real. I rate this film so high because, given what they had to work with, this film definitely delivered. Yes, I feel it did. Okay, this one doesn't have a rating, but this is from June 26, 2003, and it is titled, Should Have Been, <laughs> Should have been Billed as a Comedy. Okay. <laughs> oh, God, this one. Okay, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen, and it was good for a laugh. The acting was decent, although they must have spent all their money getting John Snyder. The cheap, corny dialogue turned a potential action film into a comedy. For example, <laughs> I'm sorry, the family at the beginning talking about chickens when the sky <laughs> I can't stop laughing. When the sky is black and the wind is howling. There were also several, well, duh, lines, such as the police officers, is he hurt? <laughs> he just said he was trapped under a truck. And the power is back on. How did the power suddenly come back on anyway? Things I've learned from this movie. Not finding family members in your destroyed house is a bad thing. Anyone can jump in a car and drive perfectly, even if they've never driven before. And even though the furniture is being blown around and the house is shaking, if the starting stops, suddenly everything's okay. Or stops, everything is okay. <laughs> but yeah, I just... <laughs> I liked this movie. I liked revisiting it. I just thought... You know, we're all stuck at home right now with this quarantine going on. And it just, I wanted to cover it mainly because it's April. Seems like around springtime when the weather's changing from like winter to spring. In April and in May, there are, when the temperature's fluctuating, um, there tend to be tornadoes that pop up around and stuff. And I just thought, oh, I'll cover it. I wanted to cover this one for a bit. And I just thought, eh, I'm going to cover it. So... Guys, that's the review. I hope you liked it. If you have a movie request that you'd like me to do, send an email to lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. All right. All right. Well, guess what? It's Wednesday, so we're halfway through the week. But then again, I told Jeremy last night, I'm like, it doesn't really matter what day it is anymore because I'm not working. Each day blends into the next. It's like, uh, I think it's going to rain, actually. I've been um laying out in our family room in this small spot in the family room, although we don't have furniture in it. Um, But I've been reading a lot. Like yesterday, I spent from like 2 o'clock to like 10 o'clock finishing a book, and it was amazing. It's called The Parker Inheritance by, um, I think it was... Varian Johnson. It's a middle grade book. It's so amazing. I just loved it so much. And it's one of those books that I think maybe sat on my shelf for like six months and I tried to pick it up at one point and tried to get into it and it just, 
And then when I got it, you know, started reading it a second time, I realized the first time when I tried to read it, like, I hadn't gotten very far because I got through the part that I um, stopped at. I'm like, I really hadn't been too far into this book. Why didn't I give it more of a chance? But I think it's with books. It's, sometimes it's just, like, you're not ready for the book or maybe it's not the right time and you just set it aside and then you pick it up later and you're like, why Why did I wait so long to read this amazing book? So, all right, everybody. I will be back in the week with more podcast episodes. I'm thinking... Since today's the 22nd, it's Earth Day, I think I'm going to release Night of the Twisters. I'm going to release this one next week, and then I'm going to do The Secret Garden for Earth Day, which means i got to get that out tonight. So, all right, everybody, bye-bye.